Hello? What's up? What's up? Hey, Carl, what's up? All right, welcome to Group Chat, which is presented by Run Through a Wall Smelling Salts, best smelling salts in the business. And for those who, of you who are unfamiliar, the concept of this show is to be a hub for discussion of current snowboarding topics. We're going to talk video projects, clips, contests, what's happening in the industry. We're simply having a loose format conversation about all things snowboarding. And most of the topics are submitted by you guys, our Patreon members, and also via Instagram. So thank you for your t- uh, submitting your topics. It's a loose roundtable format show. Uh, our sponsors today are Woodward. Bubs, Hippies, Dragon, Nitro, Autumn, Mammoth, and Oakley. So thank you guys for coming on board. And in studio today, we got some great guests. To my right, we have the General, a.k.a. Seth Hewitt. What's happening? Let's start it off. Oh, we're hitting a salt right out of the gate. <laughs> wow. I like you guys Yo. want salt? You guys want some salt? Wow. To my left, we got Cocard, Brandon Cocard, wow. and Desiree Melanson. That's a great, that's a great batch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my eyes are watering. Oh, new batch is good. Woo! <coughs> <coughs> These are amazing. Oh, yeah. no. oh wow. Kind of opens you up. You know? uh, thank God <laughs> for run through a wall smelling <laughs> salts. <laughs> yeah, Des, Des is really enjoying her experience. And then we also have Silk, our producer. Let's give Silk an air horn back there. <laughs> Yeah, Silk's looking good. They're great. Looking very similar oh. to the lab that we saw on Instagram with that uh, bull cut mullet hybrid. So, um, yeah. And uh, we're recording this. Oh, yeah. Also, we're going to be calling Jeff Penzero, uh, owner of Baldface Lodge, and Jay Stone, who is uh, product development for K2. He's got some stuff to talk about product later on in the show. Uh, but you know, first things first, we're recording this. Today's a Friday. It's going to come out this coming Wednesday, but today's Desiree's birthday. Des, happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Des. Happy birthday. And you know what we got? We got a special, we got a cake. We got a cake. Desiree. We got a cake? You got me a cake? We got you a birthday wow. cake. I'm a cake eater? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. We don't have candles, but should we, we don't need to sing. Do we, we don't need to sing. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. No, we uh, don't need to sing. So at some point we can eat that, or we could also smash it in, uh, in somebody's face if oh, you want to. You know, you know, Chris, you getting me this cake shows that you don't know me very well. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Mm. What's going on? Well, I hate sweets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nobody hates sweets. I hate sweets. Really? I love the cake. Thank you She's so sweet much. Enough. That's really thoughtful. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, yeah, you, did, you had a little birthday shindig yesterday, right? How was that? How? No, that's uh, today for yeah. the birthday. Oh, that was today? No, oh, that's the, text, the text that you sent was for today? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, we're making pizzas at the house. Oh, amazing. I thought that was for yesterday. Yeah. Okay, I'll be there. Great. Uh, all right, let's just jump right into the show here. Um, maybe we check in with Seth here because you guys just dropped a new video, New Fandangled Phenomenon, uh, just came out. Uh, what's the concept behind that? Um, pretty much, yeah. So this year we we kind of had like a more of a product marketing plan for Hold on, content for the people creation. that don't know who you are, explain who, what oh. you do. Oh, I'm Seth, yeah. Um, I do... Marketing at Volcom, 
and team management, marketing, um, content creation, kind of everything. I mean, we're just an all hands on deck. You know, we got a pretty you know small team. It's a big team. Like when you look at it, like all of the you know all the people involved all the way across the brand between like art and uh, you know, digital marketing and product and everything. But as far as like, you know, when you really hone in on people, you know, focused on snow, it's a super small team, you know, along with the sales crew and everything like myself and Kaylin Cassidy are, you know, really focused on snow along with a, with a, you know, bigger crew too as well. But anyways, um, yeah, Skylar Brent, he, we brought him on to, uh, do a lot of our filming and editing and we kind of went at the year really loose, kind of lined up some like team shoots and, you know, just like chasing down different trips at like bald face and everything else. And kind of the idea was like, hey, let's just do all the stuff that we need to to like get our product out there. But then also there's going to be so many things in between that are awesome and fun and super fun. So we made, we just put it, mashed a video together, kind of like, you know, the whole time it was kind of like there in 2002, we released a video called big youth happening snow. So we were, and it's really, it was like Ryan Thomas. He's still, you know, one of our creative heads at Volcom. Um, it was his project and same kind of thing. It was like a, just a bunch of mashed footage together, a bunch of art explosions and, you know, just full Volcom brand style stuff. And the idea was to kind of like, hey, let's do something like that again, you know, with this new generation of, of riders. So, yeah, it just came together. We just put it out, like, a couple of days before Christmas and super good response, and it's fun, and, yeah, stoked. Nice. Yeah, Skylar absolutely killed it on the on the art direction, and there's a lot of really cool nuggets of motion graphics and just the whole feel of the whole thing, and there's park riding and everything. It's just, like, doesn't – it's not like a standard snowboard video, like, trick in the streets, trick in the backcountry – good crew vibes, but we got to talk about, uh, the ender of the video. You guys announced, uh, Cannon Cummins onto the team. Yes. That kid's got, he's got it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it was a, it was kind of like a, a long, not like a long time coming, but you know, from when we like, like, all right, Cannon, like <laughs> you're, you're, you're on. And then, you know, by the time we like actually like put it out and announced it, it was, it just all fit perfectly, you know? The whole idea was like, hey, let's get you on a trip with the team. And, you know, we put in some time here in Utah at Brighton, like early, you know, like this time last year when it was just crazy snow and he was just crushing it. And he was kind of like bouncing between the Volcom crew and the Vans crew. And then, um, yeah, and then we had him out again for uh, our spring trip just with the rest of the crew. And he just vibed so good with everybody like him and Jaden and Ryoki and Arthur and everybody and Estelle, like everyone was just jamming. So yeah, it was good. And, um, it just came together. We pulled in some footage from, you know, Sean Lucy, like, you know, from one of their Mervin trips and yeah, we just launched a welcome to the team. It was awesome. Well, speaking of team, there's a team rider for Volcom uh, sitting to my left here, Desiree. Uh, yep. how is she, how is, how is Des as a, you know, uh, team rider, you know, you guys work, how, how's your guys' working relationship together? Like to hear you guys elaborate on that. That's great. That's absolutely awesome. You know, nice. I, 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 I think um, Seth is great. I have a lot of respect for Seth. I think there are times where I absolutely scare the shit out of Seth. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. And I'll come out with it. I'll come at it with like you know my like pretty firm business voice where I'm like, no, I'm not fucking around right now. <laughs> just, I can I can like hear Seth's face drop, but I'm always like, we're good, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what did we play? What did we play the other day? Uh, where you you write the name and you have to uh, charades? Yeah, it's yeah. like a version. I think that we're calling it Fishbowl now, but fish it's like bowl, a three tier series of charades. Yeah, one of the things I put it was like things that you're scared of, and I believe I think I said like Desiree when she's mad or something like that because that's real. That's real. Valid fear. But yeah, you you got you go in on you design outerwear for Volcom too, right, Des? Yeah, I mean, I like, I, I don't necessarily like design the outerwear. I have a lot of influence on the fits um, just because, you know, that's been an interest of mine throughout the entire career is like, how do you find the things that let you feel a certain way and look a certain way? And um, incredibly like proud and honored of like that team, like Jackie and Pat and even Kelly now, like they just kind of c- like create stuff that I really enjoy wearing and I'm noticing that it's kind of working because then you see like Mike Raven it all year, you know, and now like Reed's wearing the new coat. And so, you know, as, you know, a female identifying person and like creating like women's outerwear, but then trying to make just outerwear to have like to have it work and like see the dudes wearing it and mm-hmm. like seeing people buy it. Um, it's pretty cool. Fuck yeah. yeah. I thought one of the things that was really cool is when you first got on Volcom there, you know, Volcom's always had that art feel. And you did like a collage thing, and that was like the ad, like the whole, you know, uh, creative direction of the company really blends like art and s- snowboarding and lifestyle. And uh, I feel like it fits you well with because you like to do art. Well, I mean, that's like the craziest shit too, where it's like, it, granted, like it took me like ten years to get on Volcom, and it was like this thing where like like because Blum was on and like the art and everything. It's like for me, I was like. I'm an artist. Volcom is like where I want to be. And so like whenever it did actually happen, like it's just been the coolest thing where it's like, I get to make whatever. And usually it's like, Jackie's like, that is so sick. Like Seth is like, that is sick. Carl's like, that is sick. And like, they run it up. And it's like, like to me, like I say it to Seth all the time. It's like a dream come true. Like you, there, there's these brands that like as writers you look at and you're kind of like, especially when you're like coming up or slowly getting sponsored, or even when you are sponsored, you're like, oh my God, like I want to be a part of that. And, like, whenever it actually happens, you're just kind of like, oh, my God, it worked. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. I ride for Volcom. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> the most insane thing this year is, like, you know, me and Des were having coffee, and it was kind of like one of those conversations you might be a little scared of for a minute. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then all of a sudden, like, we had this idea. I was like, all right, well, we need to make something for your outerwear line this year. And then she just sparked into this, like, creative mode. And she's like, you know, Oh, we'll do a home shopping network. It's going to be amazing. I have the total vision in my head. And like, and then it was kind of like one of those things. Like it was, I was like, I totally see this. And then like months later, there was like a big gap in communication. And I was like, okay, well, maybe this thing isn't going to happen. Next thing you know, we're down at Volcom headquarters. She's like head to toe in character costume. Like people, employees are just like, Who's that out front? <laughs> like, like who, what's going on back there? And like, and I don't know. You got to see it on our on our uh, Instagram, but it is the it's most amazing. incredible yeah. piece. And that was all her. Like, you know, Skylar definitely like put the put all the pieces together and and made it insane as well. But that that all that creative genius came from Des. It was sick. It was fun to watch that 
go down. Thank you. Well, and it's like the, for like the greater conversation too, and I'll try to keep this quick. It's like uh, most people know that I had like a pretty intense knee surgery last January. So like I had like six weeks in a stabilizer. Like honestly, it was like an 11 month recovery and, uh, you know, having a pro line and no footage to go with like the outdoor, like we were kind of like, how do we sell the outdoor? And I'm just like, I don't know. Like I did my job really bad. Like I had an injury or like, we want people to like see the stuff and like I want. And so that's like the beauty of being like, oh, how do you get creative to where like we can still market it and still make it work. And like, I don't necessarily need to have the footage that goes along with it to be like the pro snowboarder aspect, even though like I wish I had the footage, like I got two clips last year, like like it's disappointing, you know, and like I want to do a good job. But then it was so cool to be like, oh, let's just get creative. And the Vulcan's like this. Yes, this was so easy. And I'm like, awesome. It just it hit yeah. on all fronts. Yeah. It hit. Everyone was like so many DMs, so many comments. So it was, ama- just, it was like, amazing. Yeah. And you guys did it. You didn't just do it. You did it like really fucking well. Whereas like this is professional. This could be on QVC, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, we have an Instagram question. And this one is from Bunny's Diary. Um, this goes for everybody here. Uh, what's your favorite art medium? Des, maybe you can take this one. Chalk? Chalk and a blackboard? Let's the, let Brandon go first. The, He's the, sitting over here Grinch, quiet. Let's let Brandon all, go first. First of all, <laughs> the, the Grinch you just did was insane. We got to get a, put a photo of the Grinch, the Grinch photo on the screen, Silk, because she just did a chalk Grinch at uh, Chip, her and Chip's house. It's unbelievable. The Grinch is sick. I All right, so the story of the Grinch, like, I was about to head on a trip to Helsinki. was a mammoth filming. Broke my back. And then, like, I'm like, all right, cool. What do I do for the next, like, six weeks, six to eight weeks? So it's like, Chip's like, oh, you just got to start making art. And, like, the most successful thing is, like, at his house, he just has this, like, super cool chalkboard wall. And I'm like, all right, what do you want? Like, come on, Grinch. Like, what do you want? And then it's like, oh, there's a Grinch. And so we, like, put some Coors Lights in it, get the dog. Like, <laughs> I'm really proud of it. Yeah, that's sick. Grinch is amazing. It's really cute. Cocard, what you got? Uh, you guys know I'm going to say music. Yep. Yeah. yeah uh, when it comes to art, like, I can't draw, can't paint. Anything I try to, like, I don't know, go from my imagination to, like, a piece of paper, it just doesn't come out, right? I got to, like, label things and... Yeah, it looks like a six-year-old drew something. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to stick with music. I like that a lot. That's kind of my forte as far as art. Okay. Uh, General? I would say to enjoy and look at, I would say painting, but I cannot paint. Um, I guess like what I could contribute in an artistic sense, maybe. um, I don't even know. Maybe some photos. I like I like taking photos, you know, like finding that right moment and like getting in your head and, and doing it. I, d- I wouldn't necessarily say my photos are like crazy artistic or anything, mm-hmm. but yeah, I like taking photos or filming's awesome too and it just connects. There's, it's kind of that moment of art, you know, where it's like everything culminates like well, if you're shooting like snowboarding, it's like the trick was perfect. They landed, the sun flare, the way the snow poofs up like that that's awesome you know even in, even in a photo standpoint or video standpoint but yeah mm. i guess it's kind of a i am all like i feel like all my art kind of revolves around snowboarding or skateboarding yep. or BMX i mean here, here's a question well, actually before i get in there silk uh silk makes a lot of art too our producer back there yeah uh silk you i know you got an answer for this yeah i mean music's 
typically been kind of my main thing, but I've been getting into tattooing recently. And so that one's a little more exciting, something new, something I have to learn from the beginning. And so that's really been fun. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to flip this conversation on its head too, a little bit before I get to Des is like, all right, art, right. I, I mean, I didn't, Des, you could probably like technically speak on what it is, but, but it's like, you can express art in a million different ways. Right. So like snowboarding being a vehicle for self-expression, snowboarding is an art. You know, I think when I think the first thing that came to mind for me was like, what's your favorite art too? I, I mean, like, I like, I'm in the process of welding this dinner table and I just got it powder coated and then I'm going to get, I got the oak from the, the wood shop and I'm going to, you know, burn it and then walnut stain. And like that to me, like welding is my favorite medium for art. But then I started thinking, I'm like, is it snowboarding? Is it skateboarding? It, it, it really opens up a like kind of a, it doesn't have to be a pen to paper type of thing, right? You got a take on that, Des? Yeah. Um, I think what you just said is extremely valid. And then I think for the more like traditional forms of art, you can kind of dive into the realm of it being like a mode of communication. I think human beings have a lot of shit going on in their brains a lot of the time. So it's like, you can do like your physical aspect where like you're building something, you're making something like that's still in your head. You're, you thought of something and you made it real. So like, it can be like that thing where it's like, you're thinking about it in like the material way where like, you're still thinking of something and then making it real. Like that's your form of artistic expression. Like you look at dancers, you look at figure skaters, you look at snowboarders, you look at skateboarders, like the act of like moving on the board is an art form in itself as well. Like, I think it just, what it comes down to, like, however you want to define art, it's like the individual just, like, embracing the label in a way where it's like, you know what, yeah, I am an artist. And it's like, you can be an athlete or whatever, but it's like just that moment of, like, thinking of something in your head, like, with the snowboarding show, like, you think of a trick. Like, I think Lewif is a great example. Like, that homie is an artist. Like, he thinks of the thing and then he does it. And it, it, came, it went from a place of non-existence to existence. And that is creating mm. speaking yeah. of art though i gotta i, I gotta oh can i speak art yeah no you can speak art but you can speak shart as well if you need <laughs> yeah. to oh blum's portrait <laughs> <laughs> i brought you a little gift chris what? That's, yeah. my, is that, that's my guy that's your guy <laughs> that's my guy that's, that's snowboarding's favorite snowboarder oh that's my guy <laughs> des painted this on uh one of our our spring like trip it was just like some crazy idea we were just all bored kind of like a weird down day and it was like let's go to the skate park and paint and skate and shoot photos and des made this this is like a real life portrait of scott blum yes, yeah. dude. Yeah. you can have it for the booth oh my That's god i love it yeah that one might go on my personal office actually because blum's blum's my guy okay while we're on the topic of art you could definitely open your christmas okay. present now okay um you didn't answer your favorite medium my favorite medium, mm-hmm. I think. After you did that, I'll open I it. think it's maybe yeah, like it's a little bit more abstract. I think my favorite form of creating is like yeah, like having the idea and then having the idea come real. So whether it be painting, whether it be snowboarding, whether it be movie making, or like whatever, even sometimes like an Instagram post. Like my favorite thing to do is just like watch it become real. Fucking wise, Des. I like it. All right, I'm gonna open. So this is a, this is a. There's some shit for Brit in there too. Christmas so present. you know the stuff for Brit. Okay. Oh. Okay. Wow. We got a plant. What is this? <laughs> it's a plant. Okay. Is it real? Yes. Oh my god. What? Like a grass type of deal? That thing's amazing. Oh, wow. This is yes, for Brit. Oh, no, I <laughs> Brit love looks that. like she likes I plants. Love it. Oh 
we got, you know we like to burn. We keep the candles burning at the house. We got some saffron jasmine amber candle. Thank you, Des. Yeah. Appreciate that. And then the last one, what do we got here? This one, this one seems like it's wrapped up real nice. Oh my god, it's fucking my guy. <laughs> Did you make this? Yeah. Oh my god. It's uh, Simon, dear friend of mine who, uh, ours, who, mm-hmm. who passed away uh, a couple years ago. And this embodies, it's him on a, on a golf cart, which is what he loved. Holy shit, Des, thank you for this. Yeah. I appreciate that. Wow. Um, thank you. And that's Speaking him. of, that's I think right we got the, I got the email for the SFK oh, hockey, yeah. pond hockey tourney. Yep. Nothing that guy loved more than playing pond hockey, so we do a uh, pond hockey tournament to honor him. Uh, February? When is that? February 4th. February 4th. Okay. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk to you, Cocard, about the new album that just came out. Well, you have two, actually, but uh, Boyfriend Sushi was really fun to go to the the unveiling. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the release show. Yeah. That was and awesome. And you, uh, yeah, let's, let's hear, I want to hear you uh, unload about your latest musical uh, endeavors here. Okay. Um, yeah, Boyfriend Sushi started, I don't know when their band started, but Harry and I started playing with them this year. Uh, we helped them do their first album, which is out there. It's called Rufus. And, um, yeah, it was really fun. It was just kind of easy. Like we recorded everything live and had those guys in the studio. And I think we knocked it out in like a week. Um, and then Moses, the he's the front man of the band. He moved away to Chicago and kind of did his own little spiritual journey out there. Um, and I thought that was it. I was like, all right, that's the end of the band. They, they did one album and cool. And then he hits us up and he's like, hey, we've, I've been writing all these songs in Chicago. I want to come back. I'm going to move back to Salt Lake. Like, let's record this album. So Harry and I were like, fire, like, we'll help you, whatever you need. And uh, yeah, he came back with like, I think 12, 10 or 12 songs. Um, and we were, we were just blown away. We we're like, wow, these, you know, these are really good. He just had like a bunch of demos. And uh, so Harry and I, Stepped in. Harry did the drums on that album, and I played bass. And, uh, yeah, it came out great. It was a lot of work, but I'm so excited and glad that it, like, exists in the world for people to enjoy it. Um, yeah, and then we played a uh, album release show, which, Chris, you were there. Um, you were there too, Des. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really fun. We rented out uh, this space called Umoka. It's like the Museum of Modern Art here in Utah and everyone dressed up. It was like prom night. (laughs) It was so fun, like walking around and seeing everybody just dressed to the nines. And, uh, yeah, we played the album front to back and a couple of the favorites off the old album. And it was just an awesome night. Yeah. I guess I got to jump in there too for a sec. Cause this album, Paper Trail, is that what it's called? Uh, or, no. no, why am I? Oh, it's called Player. Player, sorry, Player. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. Anyway, the album, you know, got it. Obviously, ski mat. First of all, I want to say Harry Hagen, uh, who's the van snowboard team manager and been in snowboarding forever, uh, filmmaker, everything. You know, he's a snowboarder as well. And then um, 
Moses is a skateboarder, and then violin. Uh, what's his? Yeah, Ethan. Ethan ripping skateboarder as well. Ripping skateboarder. He's so, insane. Yeah. So band of like snowboarders and skateboarders in Salt Lake, and so I was going back to welding that table. I put the album on. And I just looped it for like six hours in my garage and it just got better and better and better. I'm like, how fucking cool is this? Like, I'm, I'm not like listening to my friend's album as like a sympathy listen. Like I'm listening, like, oh, I should, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, oh, I should listen to my friend's album. <laughs> right. Do you know, like that's, that, that's how you kind of starts, right? You're like, I, I listen to my friend, but like, I'm literally looping it and I'm like, it's getting better and better and better. So, um. It's just fucking cool. Like the the rant I want to go on is like in Salt Lake. It there is like this cool kind of resurgence of of people creating rad shit. Whether it's music, you know, you guys have this music space where there's a handful of bands that come in and record. You know, Mikey LeBlanc and Rav and Harry have their band. You, you know, High Again's another band. And then you have people making rad art, and then you have people skateboarding and snowboarding. And there's this like. There's this cool energy around, like, you go out to art shows and photo shows and, and music, and um, it's really cool to see, like, the arts and the snowboarding kind of coexist in this, and music in this, in this special way. Yeah, I think Salt Lake is really special in that way because we have the city, we got all the city amenities and all the music venues and practice spaces, and then you got the mountains right there. Um, so yeah, it just kind of le- like lends itself to this perfect little environment for creativity and yeah, just, I don't know. I like that. Uh, we have an Instagram question, which is good in the music department. We could all kind of chime in on this. Uh, this is from Ninja Nick. He said, who are the best musicians in the snowboard community? Good question. Um, there's a lot of good snowboarders who are great at playing guitar playing keys um so yeah that's a hard one hard one to to answer but uh uh we were talking about this earlier talking about like gus and estee they have a band um yeah they're pretty sick i know blatt is really insane on the guitar um zach marbin Oli, Oli, Oli rips. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, Oli's you a play, crazy Oli, drummer. You play drums, rips. Right? I play a little drums, yeah, yeah a little guitar. Um, Silk, Silk D, the producer back there. Yeah, okay. I'm not on that list though. Yeah, you're on the list. You're Jason the Brown, yeah. Jason Brown for sure was great songwriter. Mikey, Mikey, Mikey LeBlanc, LeBlanc yeah. Russell Winfield, yeah. Scotty Arnold, yeah. Blue Montgomery. Yep, yep, Blue. Um, yeah, I think we we're all just like pretty like-minded like that. Brian Aguchi, um, Wes make Dave, these. Dave Hatchet. Wait, what? Yeah. Wes. Oh yeah. The sure. Hatchets. Yeah. yeah. And Dogger maybe too. I know. Hatchets Dogger, Dogger whales on yep. the guitar, like, like full metal. It's awesome. What do you think that, what do you think that is? You know, Coker, especially somebody that's really into making music. Like, is it this, I heard you say once it's like, it occupies the same space in your brain. Yeah, I th- I think the um, common ground there is maybe just like how when you're snowboarding, you're very in that moment and that, you know, it's kind of why we all love it. We're just able to like block out all the noise like in our brains, like everyone's got it. Um, but yeah, these creative outlets, they just kind of like really sit you down and keep you in the present. And I think... Yeah, snowboarding and music, they just kind of, they both do that. Because if you're out snowboarding thinking about something else, like you're going to probably fuck it up or hurt yourself or something. And same with music, like, you know, when you're all jamming, um, if you're 
not in that moment, you're, you're going to be off time. You're going to miss some notes. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just a really kind of, it keeps you grounded and it keeps you just thinking about what you're doing in that moment and not all the other bullshit. So that's probably why we all gravitate towards something like that. I I think too, like you got to look at the ways in which like the cultures merge, you know, where like you're a pro snowboarder, pro skater, pro surfer, whatever, like you're filming video projects. Usually you have music in those video projects, you know, and I even think like, like whatever, all of the people we just named too, like being younger and going to these like events, like I remember going to Holy Bowly and just like, we'd be jamming, people would be jamming. And like, I remember when like Mike Raff first started playing music. I remember when you really like just watching you play Modest Mouse over and over and <laughs> yeah. over again. And then all of a sudden, like fast forward 12 years, like you're making albums. People are making albums. Like Harry's ripping for multiple like bands on the drums. And like, it, it's like, it was this very natural progression of the ways in which the worlds collided. And like that to me is so cool <clears throat> because it's like, snowboarders are so much more than snowboarders just like skateboarders are like we're artists like we talked about earlier so like the music thing has been such a cool way to like also see like additional vulnerabilities of like these people more so than just like the tricks that they're doing yeah totally it's exactly what you just said it's it's like infectious like you go somewhere and people are jamming and you're like wow that looks so fun like I want to do that and it, it can kind of just like spark you to pick up an instrument and start learning so when you are in those scenarios you're like oh everyone's just hanging out like playing music like looks so fun like now you can jump in mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah and then in the gathering too you know like just like this last spring at brighton for the millie meltdown you know you got bands playing people skating people painting and just just kind of hanging out people obviously snowboarding and i think the brings the culture the community yeah. together it's it's actually really cool to think about it that way too and like the energy like the you think about when you go to this the space where you guys play music like you're in there and it's like there's people playing music but there's also people hanging out sitting on the couch and there's like some people drawing and there's like this creative energy you go to a concert there's creative energy you go snowboarding and it's like when you you get that that like energy from being in those spaces it's like it's like a little place to foster creativity or or when people come together for music and that energy is really special which i'm going to take this example uh this opportunity to plug an event uh that we're doing at woodward uh january 6th if anybody's around uh it's called the dust bomb ride day rail jam so the idea is the dust box crew you know Cooper and the whole gang, you know, uh, I don't know exactly who's going to be in town, but I, from what I understand, most of the dust box will be in town. And then uh, our crew, you know, the bomb hole crew, we're coming together for this fun event, show up, ride in the afternoon for a few hours. Then we're going to have a rail jam. I'm welding all the trophies. Uh, there'll be an all abilities rail jam for some prizes. And then there's going to be a pro rail jam for some cash. And then there's going to be live music. So uh, the kind of like what we just described, you know, combining, you know, music, snowboarding, community, all those good things uh, that we love about what we do. So that's January 6th, no registration. As long as you have a lift ticket, show up and bust. That's kind of the thing. All right, let's talk headwear. We're going to talk Autumn. Autumn's a great company. Let me tell you why. Brad Alban runs it. He is a gem in the snowboarding community. Done a lot of really cool things. And also Lil Jeff, Lil Hefe. Absolute legend in snowboarding. So good people doing a good brand. Uh, at Autumn, their motto is style matters. So they have all different types of styles of beanie. 
They got the deep resi fit. We call it the surplus fit. They got the shorty fit, which you might you might catch Silk D wearing, more of a fisherman's friend, shallow fit. And they got the simple fit, which is right in between. They got all different styles of beanies, and they also have riders with impeccable style. You might catch Danimals, Cannon Cummins running on them. Everybody knows their style's amazing. So if you want to support a great company and you want a great beanie, they do our beanies. They do the run-through-a-wall beanie and then our other all-over-print beanie. Um, and they're just, I can't speak highly enough about the quality of the stuff they make. So check out autumnheadwear.com and use promo code BOMBHOLE for 20% off your order. Again, autumnheadwear.com, promo code BOMBHOLE. Get yourself a nice piece of headwear. All right, we're going to take a break and talk about Bub's Naturals. Sean Lake is the founder of Bubs, and he comes from snowboarding. Ripping snowboarder, went on to be a part of Forum in its heyday, uh, and has gone on to start Bubs, which is an incredible company. So he still supports snowboarding by supporting podcasts like us. And one of the products that they make is called Hydrator Dye, and they're little hydration packs. And I love supporting products that I actually use on a daily basis. So they're amazing. You got a water bottle, you dump in some hydration packs in there, makes it easier to drink, keeps you hydrated. They have over 2,000 milligrams of electrolytes. They don't have any sugar. It's made from nature, not from a lab. It's made from all good stuff. So be sure to check out Bub's Naturals Hydrator Dye if you're looking for some hydration packs. And of course, the collagen. Uh, I work out with Jeremy Jones at our gym, The Sect, and he is an absolute monster, and he's constantly putting down the collagen. It really helped him heal from both of his broken legs. Uh, stand behind both of those products heavily. So if you're interested in picking them up, head on over to bubsnaturals.com. You can use promo code BOMBHOLE for 20% off your order at bubsnatural, bubsnaturals.com. Uh, also, just as an update for later in the show, uh, we are going to be calling Jeff Pensero, like I mentioned. Uh, Jay Stone, we're going to be talking to him about product. I've been texting Stevens. I want to talk to him about tail blocks, but he's got his girls today, so he may or may not answer. And then we got some contest stuff we're going to cover later in the show. Um, bunch of bunch of topics we're going to keep ripping through, snowboard-related. But I have one that I would love to get your guys' takes on. Um and so I got a direct message from this person named Ian, and the message said, uh, and it was in regards to the clips of Mike Rav on the pavilion in your guys' latest Vulcan video that I believe Skylar filmed. Yep. And um, it said, hot take, this ain't pro material and should not have been filmed. Could do this blindfolded when I was 10. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was something that I read uh, I didn't reply to, uh, cause you know, I do think it's important that in snowboarding you get to choose what you like and don't like, and that's okay. Like, you know, some people love turning on groomers. Some people love cheese wedges. Some people love mini shred, you know, like some people love half pipe. Like it's a pick your poison situation, but I think that this one particularly I disagree with heavily in the sense that, Wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, you're entitled to your opinion, but your opinion is definitely wrong. So uh, that's how I feel about that opinion. And I think it's one of those deals where it's like Rav 
You can, like Coker, you said it in the, in the lobby. I'd love to hear you elaborate. Yeah. I think a lot of people think they can do what Mike does. It, you know, like, Oh, I can do that trick. And like, yeah, maybe you can, but it's not going to look like Mike. You're not going to look like Rav does. Um, I think Mike's a good, uh, example of the like forever imitated, never duplicated, you know, you think you can, but you go out and try that and make it look like Mike does and you will fail every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like going back to what we talked about earlier as a true creative, if you are like, it's how do you want to express yourself on your snowboard? And when you watch Rav snowboard, he puts his whole body into whatever. He's just moving around. He's just, he's just, he's just snowboarding and letting his body do what it wants to do. And the thing is with Rav is he can go to a hip and he can launch a switch McTwist. He can go to a jump. He can do a front nine. And if you know snowboarding and you have a keen eye for snowboarding, he has incredible board control he can rip carves he can pop huge ollies his grabs are insane he can do everything and so if to an untrained eye you may watch those pavilion clips not like him but the way he goes half cab tail press hop back one switch trail press cab three and the presses are lifted and the tricks snappy like to me like i'm just looking at pure board control when i watch that also when you see it in person yes good it point is yeah. just it's a different thing it you know sometimes it doesn't fully translate like through the camera but if you're like at a resort and you're like there's my grav like everyone's heads are turning you know he's just out there putting on a show and he's doing what he loves to do and like hands down like yes that dude is a pro snowboarder when you see him out there doing his thing you're like pro it it it's mind-blowing like i've followed my grav like done follow cams i probably have like hours of just unlogged footage of follow cams of Mike Rav. And when you watch him ride top to bottom, it's a full video part. It's totally unorchestrated in the sense like he kind of has an idea, but it's all really spontaneous and it's perfect. And you're just like, wow, that's a clip. Like when you're, you're sitting there, you're like, that's a clip, that's a clip, that's a clip. And it's one, and you're like, I just filled a card and it's one run. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, he's absolutely one of the best snowboarders I've ever seen ever. And I, you know, I've been doing this for however long, but uh, like, I, you know, when you watch him snowboarding, it's like, there's nothing like it. I think it's like whatever to go back to the negative comment, you know, this is something that we can just chalk up to, uh, ignorance. You know, this is like a statement made by somebody through a screen, you know, who makes a claim and it's kind of like, oh, you don't know the history. You don't know. I I do like what you said too, Cocard, where you're kind of like, oh yeah, like maybe it's not um, fully uh, captured well through the camera, but in person you see it. And like, that's another thing too. Like if you've done it and if you have the eye and if you film the parts like that, this is why Mike has so much respect because it's like, we can watch the footage and be like, Oh fucking hell, Mike, Like there he goes again. And it's like, <laughs> like some people get it. And then, you know, other people are just a little ignorant. They don't really get it. Totally. And I think there's something you said, like you said, I don't know when I snowboard, oftentimes I'm putting like 50% of my body into this shit. Like I'm, I'm cruising, I'm putting up a front board, um, you know, I'm doing my go-tos, I'm going through the motions, you know, but to 
to the way he rides the mountain in person, it's he puts a hundred percent of his being into that whatever that spontaneous trick is, and that's something that's very rare. And the way he does it too, it's like like I'm not gonna say he's not not trying, you know, but it's like it's so natural. Like you're just kind of like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and back to the art conversation. Like if you oh, yeah. look at his snowboard, like it's a paintbrush. He is just it's every stroke is just meticulously perfect and completely unplanned, and it's his own style. Nobody rides like Mike. Yeah, just because it looks effortless doesn't mean. You know, doesn't mean it was easy. I mean, I guess that's... You know, he like, he makes it look easy, but it's not at all. Like, seriously, you go try it. Yeah. And you know what? It's also (laughs) the other thing, too, that is so unique is it's him. You know, I think that there's this thing I, I like to call finding yourself on your snowboard and if you look at younger rav he was he was kind of doing the things that you're supposed to do as a pro you know he was doing hard tricks on rails and hitting big kinks and he still does heavy tricks as well not to discredit that but he was doing more conventional tricks and he even like you know was was even kind of looking similar to scott a little bit when he was you know when he was younger and he's just morphed into this his own person and he's found himself and been he's just authentic to who he is and the way he snowboards and i think that that's the most rare thing there's this like unwritten rule book of industry approved tricks that are okay to do and there nobody really has it but they all kind of we all kind of talk about it and it and so it, it's so refreshing when somebody kind of like goes a little astray from that and finds themselves and who they are on their snowboards. 100%. Like, yeah, like you said, you used to be able to compare him to Scott a little bit and just like spot, spot choice, trick choice, but not anymore. <laughs> like Now it's Mike Rav. You know, there's when, when you can't compare his snowboarding to anybody else, like he, he's doing something right. And then back to like the, the point of like, that spot it's just this tiny little blown out spot that everyone goes to and he does three or four or whatever tricks on it and everybody's talking about it you know what i mean so it's just kind of the testament into like his vision it's yep. totally unique to himself i like it well let's get into uh nitro turbo take silk welcome to nitro turbo takes Brought to you by Nitro Snowboards and Kindu Eliasson. Nitro Snowboards has been building snowboard products, boards, boots, and bindings for over 34 years. And has one simple mission. To inspire people to get out and go snowboarding and support their local and global community by supporting the shops, the organizations, and the people who are dedicating their lives to this. Snowboarding is what got us here. And giving back to snowboarding is what keeps us here. The deeper the layers, the better the cake. Just like the snowboarding community, this season, Nitro is releasing a two-part film project, Layers, The Unintentional Culture of Snowboarding, a full-length 80-minute documentary exploring the different layers of the snowboard community around the world. Okay, this is a fun section. These questions are from Knut Eliasson. He's uh, the Nitro... He's the, I don't know what he he is, Nitro. He is Nitro. Team Boom. (laughs) He's team hashtag Boom. He's a legend in (laughs) snowboarding, Uh, cares about it more than anybody, and is the best. So he came up with these questions, and they're kind of rapid fire, but you can elaborate if you need to, and Silk will ask them. So here we go. All right, first question, Dez. What hand plant should everybody try to learn? 
Front invert, but not but back to regular, not the um, flip. Miller flip. Yeah, not the Miller flip. Go card. What was your first snowboard shop? Uh, it was called Porter's. Porter's Tahoe. Seth, how will kids buy snowboards in ten years? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, probably hopefully they just go to a snowboard shop, just like it, like we do now. <laughs> they go to the metaverse and they use Bitcoin, <laughs> and then it's a on a screen. Perfect. Yeah, Chris, what's a good looking sticker job on a snowboard? Oh, uh, don't ask me. Mine are horrendous, but <laughs> I like I like a lot of stickers. I like I like when it's like this kind of beautiful. I mean, you look at the office. Like if you look behind us, you know, and all this shit everywhere. I kind of am like I don't know what that style's called, but I'm like maximalist. A, I'm like a shit everywhere kind of guy. Shit collectic. NASCAR. Yeah, like like <laughs> there's <collectic>. yeah shit collectic. <laughs> I like when it's shit collectic. All right, this is an all play, bar up or bar down. Hockey bar down when you fucking, <laughs> that's a hockey term when you bury it off the crossbar. So I'm going to go hockey, not snowboarding on this. And I'm going to say bar down. You guys take it for an answer. Bar up. I hate that thing. I think bar down when it's windy as fuck. <laughs> it serves a purpose. Yeah. Or if you got a kid with you. I'm afraid great. of heights. So bar down. Also, it's nice to like put your rest of your foot on the little thing. You know, well, if you have a foot cramp. They yeah. kind of got rid of those now. Did they? Yeah. That's lame. Most places. Mm. All right, we got another all play. Do you like taking a lunch break when riding the resort? No. 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 We're just not eating. Snacks in the pocket. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not eating. Well, that, go, that, go, that, go. that brings on the, the like, lactic acid. So oh, day's true. done yeah. pretty much at lunch. You can't so, stop. Yeah, yeah you, go, you get tired. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> Seth says goes. What do you put <laughs> in the pocket? This is my question. What are, you, what are you snacking on? What's in the pocket? Hot dog? Uh, can of snooze. <laughs> <laughs> can of snooze, for sure. <laughs> I kind of like those Lara bars, you know? They're kind of gooey. <laughs> Just nicotine and water. <laughs> Nicotine curbs the appetite, and then you're good. Just kidding, kids. Don't. I'm don't not endorsing start. this conversation. Don't start. It's, it's horrible, but then you won't be able to quit. I, you know what you really need is a is a bottle of run through a wall smelling salts. Because yeah, then you're, nice. you, you pop one of those babies, land in the parking lot on the big. Also jump. curbs your appetite. Yes, I don't know. I was if a little left nostril heavy from the first one, so I had to take it even up. Even it, even it out. Yeah. Okay, Des. What benefits does snowboarding have slash offer for positive mental health? I mean, that's that's a wormhole, man. <laughs> I, I mean, you can just chalk it up to like the uh, idea that if you're exercising every day, you're probably going to be a little bit happier. Um, snowboarding can definitely be a form of exercise. It's also a form of self-expression. It also creates community and you can, um, th those are kind of like, what, what are the keys to a long, happy life? It turns out that it's um, uh, the quality relationships that you have. So I think um, snowboarding and any board sport can really facilitate that. Um, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of benefits. Nice. Brandon, mm. if you had to choose one pow day with friends or jam session with friends. Ooh, um, I'm going to go, uh, going <laughs> to go pow day. Pow day. Yeah. Have you, pow have day you seen friends. that dude though that rolls skis with, uh, with the guitar and the little jammy pack? I haven't seen that at dude. Brighton? Yeah. He, he rolls around. <laughs> he's, he's doing both. That's sick. Yeah. Smart. Seth, what's your favorite snowboard? Favorite snowboard, I would have to say the Matt Cummins Rad Ricks. Like, that was my first one I bought. Yeah, that's my favorite graphic. Chris, who's winning X Games slope style, men and women? 
Uh, steamer, Cleveland Steamer is going to win for men. <laughs> Zoe's going to win for women. Des, what is style? <laughs> Hard hitting questions for you. Yeah, yeah, serious. <laughs> um, something that a lot of people have opinions about, but a lot of people don't have. Wow. Wow. There you go. Timeless <laughs> answer. Okay, this one's for me. Favorite thing about the bomb hole. Um, the community, getting to meet everyone who comes in. Yeah. Seth, what's the strategy to a good pow day at the resort on a Saturday? Great question, Canute. Get up early. What time? Uh, you got to leave the house at 6. From oh, the so bo- from bottom. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, post up in the parking lot, put the boots on slow, get the fire pit going, go put your board in lift line, save your spot. Mm. And then, um, yeah, just get assemble the squad. Assemble the squad, okay. We'll circle back on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah circle back. Debatable. Okay, all play. What gear do you ride the longest? We're talking boards, boots, bindings, gloves. Bindings. Yeah, bindings, I guess. Shit, I'm on a helmet for like two years. <laughs> so I don't know if I don't know if that counts, but Yeah, that counts. We're spoiled sure. pricks and get too much product, so I'm, I feel like I'm switching it up pretty regularly. Yeah, you're asking the wrong people for a non-sponsored yeah. snowboarder. It's, oh, it's I think bindings everything. are helmets. Bindings <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with hat, actually. That's good. I find a good hat. I'll rock that for 10 plus years. Yeah. I will. S- Underlayers, too. Yeah, my ninja suit's going on like <laughs> seven <laughs> years, dude. That thing gross. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, actually, first layer is something I run like year after year. It's so gnarly. Dude, JP Walker runs the same, as you know, Seth, the same forum bindings he's ran oh, his yeah. whole career. Jesus. And he rolls with like this whole, you know, like mad scientist kit because things break. But he's been running the same bindings for like 20 fucking years. He kind of, he said at one point, he's like, I think when these bindings are done, he's because he's on his last set, I believe. Yeah. And he's like, when I'm out of these, I'm done. Like, I won't <laughs> be able to snowboard anymore. <laughs> All right, Cocard, do you ride with music? No, I don't. I actually don't. I hate riding with music. Yeah, overrated. Um, yeah, it just, you can't hear your friends. And it's really annoying when you're trying to talk to people and they have headphones in. My biggest pet peeve. And uh, also, it like, I feel like it helps to, like, be able to hear how fast you're going, you know, when you're trying to, like, judge speed. You can, like, hear the wind kind of a little bit. I don't know. Just listening to wind. Yeah, listen I'm just helping listen to the wind. Listen to the wind. Like, if you're sessioning in the spot or something like that and there's a jam box, that's pretty sick. Like, at the drop-in. I'm down. Box. I'm down with it. Oh that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a you know. Oh, if there's like box, boom box. something coming out coming out yeah. of like the lift PA, like I love that. It's awesome. Definitely as far no as for headphones. Like, yeah, headphones in my ears, like no. I, I completely disagree. I go full <sighs> headphones, max volume. I only put one in though, That's so that I can tip, hear. Yep. I can still hear while I ride, but for me, like I get like fuck going to Bone Zone with all these kids, and they're just like all doing their thing and I'm just like I don't feel good right now like huh. I feel weird so put some music in you feel better pretty quick yeah I guess in that scenario it kind of locks you in that, mm-hmm. that zone. what do you listen to Des you listen to like Morrissey or what are we talking <laughs> nah I kind of passed some words I've been listening to some <laughs> crazy shit these days there's this band called Underscores when you're snowboarding this is what you're when I'm sn- yeah when I'm snowboarding there's a band uh, there's an album by Underscores I forget what the album's called but it's just like noise 
It is nice. just noise. It really uh, helps my uh, wandering, um, self-deprecating thoughts. Mm. You know, I, I, I do the same as Des a lot of times. I'm on no headphones sometimes, powder day, but like park day, I'm, I'm headphones generally, and it's one ear, and it's not super loud. I can still conversate, but I kind of bump it up right before I drop in, and I put on like some future, and I don't know if you've ever, Coker, are you familiar with ignorant rap? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Because, <laughs> like, it makes you feel like a cocky prick, and it just kind of works for me because it does something to me, you yeah. know? Uh, but that's I'm, my take. I'm spoiled. I, I can't do the one headphone because you only get, like, half of the mix. Yeah. You know? I'm like, it's hey, terrible. You hear, like, I'm only getting high end. Right. Mm, a lot of gain. A lot of gain when yeah. there's only one headphone. Only getting high hats. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have that problem with my skull candies. Oh, so. nice plug. <laughs> nice plug. That yeah. was great. Nice plug. Uh, we got any more? Yeah, we got one more. Chris, center of attention. What trick are you going to learn this year? What trick am I going to learn? Holy shit. I'm not really in the learning. I'm in the, like, retaining. <laughs> I'm, that's Where I'm at is I'm trying to retain and lately I've been thinking we're talking retention. Re we're in a retention situation, <laughs> yes. So I've been thinking a lot about doing a cab nine. I've done a, I've been doing a lot of cab fives this year and and it's really just a little bit more snap. You got and, that. And I, so my goal this year is to do a cab nine on something, even if it's a park jump. But I just want to do one because the cab fives are feeling so good and it's not that much different, really. Right, we'll you know? take that. Yeah. I saw, I was watching Cocard ride the other day. You were ripping Switchback Road. Dude, uh, I, did you Switchback 9 the jump? I did. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, no, Switchback Rodeo, I just learned that. And you were my inspiration for that because I'm always seeing you Switchback Rodeo. Like, it, it just seems like the dopest trick for like a step down or just like a fun, like little park jump, you know, because you're landing regular. And I've been picturing it in my head, like, I don't know, for the past 10 years. But this is this was the year I was like I'm gonna go learn it, and you, dude. You know what I did? I went to Woodward and got the helmet. I was in my shorts. I got my boots on, and I'm hitting the foam pit. No way! Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, no yo, way. I'm gonna do this. Like, does uh, it translate? Huh? Does it, it translate? It, it, it did for me. Yeah, it totally helped. Like air awareness and just like, okay, this is what it feels like. And then I, you know put my pants on and went out to the jump and tried it like third round. I was like, dude, this is awesome. I need to do that more. Like what? just Let's go to Woodward. And now I'm like thinking like, what else can I learn? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, but wow. the, the freaking foam pit helps. That's amazing. I've been thinking about doing that for like 10 years, but or however long Woodward's been around, but I've never. Oh, it's sick. Never You're like sessioning with all the scooter kids and like, <laughs> yeah. slapping high fives. And like, dude. That's your crowd. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, dude, that's are the rollerboards. I've never done the rollerboard. It's sketchy. <laughs> like you, you can't really turn or at least I didn't figure out how to turn. So if you're a little bit off, like on the rollin, you're just going towards like, <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're set up for failure. It's just railroad track. <laughs> the wall. It, and I, I was I, thinking the, too, the, it's not like the wheels that are kind of dished. It's like you're locked in. Yeah. You're, I think you're just pretty locked in. At least that's how I felt. Um, and yeah, I was thinking like, this is going to be so dumb. Like I'm out for the season. I hurt myself in the freaking foam pit. <laughs> like I'll never live that down. But no, you kind of figure it out and get somewhat comfortable, at least enough to be trying the things you want to try. Mm. Yeah, I got to go there and learn back radio sevens. That's oh, what, that, there the, you reggae, go. the reggae ones. Every time I miss my grab, I do the hover hand thing. 
you know? Oh, like, yeah, I try yeah. to do indie, and I can never get there with indie. Right. But. I think nose would be your go-to. Ooh, you yeah. should throw an event where you get the down bag for a session, and then you have a jump next to it, and whoever can <laughs> learn a trick that they've never done before quick enough, and then do Ooh. it on the jump, mm. the fastest wins. The airbag, the <laughs> yeah, airbag invitation. I like that. <laughs> That's a pretty fun content. She's on That's something. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you gotta like spin a roulette wheel and it lands on oh, if it lands on a trick you can't do, that's the one you gotta do. Back sixteen triple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> on the thirty foot woodwork jump. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. See how bad our fundamentals really are. Oh wow, that's a good can you good job on the hot takes or whatever. Uh, we do have to revisit the you know, this is a this is a fucking hot topic uh leaving your board in the line and then walking away while the lift line fills up and then going back to your board uh i've been told in the northwest you get beat up for that um but the general uh you will you if you're if you see a nitro with some vulcan stickers on it at the front of the millie line in uh utah that's that's seth so you're not going to want (laughs) to touch that board um what do you think seth i say run it you know what i mean it's like you were there. Like I mean, as long as I don't know. Actually, one time last year, we we did it and then went across the parking lot to the coffee shop, had a nice little coffee, then went back. I was kind of like, Ooh, I might have been crossing the line a little bit. But usually, you're like right there. You know, it's like mm-hmm. oh, I'm in line and I just got to go to the bathroom or I got to like get a drink of water or something like that. Right. So you know, if you, if you do it tastefully and reasonably, I usually don't. I I don't think I would walk up like first chair guy you know it's like but you know i'm respectfully back and if anybody was like oh like getting all harsh i'd be like go ahead of me i don't care like i'll be on the chair yeah Yeah. it's no big deal i like it uh this is a just for what we talked about i'm gonna recircle back to a instagram question from uh Madel Boof. I think that's a French name. I don't know. I might have spelled, sorry if I butchered your name. Uh, advice for older riders starting to get in the park. Anybody? Wear pads. Ooh. Butt pads, knee pad, shin guard. What about the things when you go to like China and they all wear the like turtle, the turtle pads? Have you seen those? Those are sick. Yeah. Wear those. Okay. That'd be cool. I mean, I wouldn't really know. I just turned 25, so. Yeah. I, I think it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can kind of speak a little to this because I'm just like correlating it to being totally way old and getting into BMX and riding BMX and and starting something completely new way past the window of life. Um, You just kind of have to like, I think the mindset, you got to have the right mindset. Like I'm going to do this. Like there's nothing that's going to stop me. And then, you know, you got to start small and then you got to find a learning process because like people just think like, I'm going to do a 900, go do a 900. It's like, no, you got to find the fundamentals to like learn and then do the steps to like get there. But like if you know it or if you can get a clear picture of like what you need to do to get there, then you can just form a plan, stick to it and get there. So like. What do you want to do? What you know? What What do you want to do as an older park rider or riding park? You want to do three sixties? You want to do like front boards or backlips on a rail? Like, okay, if that's if you know, find your goal or what you want to achieve out of it, and then find a process to like achieve that goal. I, I have a question. Yeah. How do you think people are 
learning these fundamentals? Where are they getting their information from? Oh, I mean, I'd say like if you, there's like YouTube people that make all these like tutorials. You know, I feel like I don't know. That's what that's what I do in Moto. I'll be like turning, cornering techniques, and I'm like right. watching some guy teach me how to corner. And I see that in snowboarding, we have that too. There's people that that do basic like how to be on your edge videos that they pop up on my feed sometimes. I mean, it's, it's, dude, that's another thing too. Cause I know a lot of pros like probably hate doing trick ticks or, or think like, oh, this is kind of lame or not fun to do. But in reality, if you have the right pro giving a trick tip, yep, it fully can resonate. You know what I mean? Cause like it was like, um, you know, how to do a moto whip on a BMX bike on like a dirt jump, you know, like I found a, Chase Hawk. He's like one of the sickest BMXers of all time. Perfect style. And he did like 800 of those on this video. And it's just like, oh, oh. And it, and that's how you want to model your moto whip. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to just have like some kind of random, you know what I mean? It's like, so kind of, I don't know. It'd be sick if there was more like yeah. platforms. I saw like Slush give, like, just did something ones. with uh, Freddie Perry. Freddie Perry did yep. it, which is that's cool. A couple basics with Freddie Perry. I do think that that's kind of like a... Uh, open opportunity for a couple pros who are bored, though. Like, ah, uh, that would crush on the yeah, YouTube. Like, I, I've done trick tips that have more views than my video parts. Uh, like yeah. back in the day with Transworld sure. and stuff, right? You guys yeah. have probably done those too. But going back to the question about uh, advice for like learning how to ride park, one thing I think about is you know hiking. Like you know when you ride through the park and you go on the chairlift and you just hit what's in front of you, like this this the things become a little bit daunting because, you know, you, you know, if you're taking 12 runs, you're only going to hit that thing 12 times. But if you find a little box or a rail or a small jump and you get, like, I, I think us video part people, we get familiar with it. You know, you, you kind of, you walk around it, you sniff it out. You're like, okay, this is, this thing's safe. You warm up to it. You can try a front 180 on and then a front 270 onto the box. And I think there's something, if you really want to progress quickly, I think, you know, if you don't have a rope toe, which is the the ultimate scenario to get good quick, but uh, I think hiking stuff really ramps up your progression, and you're going to be much more likely to try something more difficult than just lapping. That would be totally. my advice. The cool thing about hiking too is uh, hiking's contagious. So, yeah. like, if someone sees somebody hiking something and trying something, especially like people who are learning how to do things, they're like, even I'll still do it. Like, I'm the I'll go to Woodward or Brighton and be like, I'm hiking the mailbox today. Um, and all of a sudden, like, you blink, and 30 minutes later, you got like 10 people hiking it with you, and like, that's also a great way to make friends. Um, and go ahead. I, I, was said good, say, I just said good point. Yeah. Yeah. So hiking Creating is, a session. Yeah. yeah. And that's the vibe, you know, that's, yeah. that's the thing where it's like, that's when like the true progression actually happens because also like, uh, whatever, if you do, if you learn a new trick and you don't film it or and somebody doesn't see it, did you actually learn the new trick? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Did this but. guy, this guy said he wanted to learn a frontside 270? He didn't. He oh. just said, what's advice for learning oh, okay. for, or older riders getting into riding park? Right. Putting in the reps. Yeah, reps. that's it. As you would Start say, small, right, work your way up. All right, we're going to call Jeff Pensero from Baldface Lodge, cat operation up in Canada. Um, see if he picks up. Yellow. Hi, I'm looking for Jeff Pensero. You're on uh, line in the group chat here with the Bombhole crew. We got Seth Hewitt. Cocard, Dez, Silk D in studio. How we doing? What's happening, JP? 
We're doing good. We're down in the office today after being up at the lodge for like the last three or four weeks. It's nice to be in the thick air of Nelson right now. Mm. I want to hear about the holiday crew you just had in there that, that came and spent Christmas down at the, at the lodge. The holiday crew. It was great. I had my own massive family up there, which was great. Uh, the Andersons came, Billy and Spencer and Sarah and Jeffrey and, uh, Brian Henderson and his family came out, uh, Damian Maroney, Mo and their kids came out and Lucy and, uh, Kira, Leah and, uh, Micah were out. And then, uh, you know, Brad, the guide, his kids, it was great. We had 44 people this year. Wow. And a really tall Christmas tree. Fun. And, um, we did family Olympics on the last night, pushing potatoes around the lodge with your nose, no hands allowed. Um, yeah, dance competitions. It was a little wild. Well, it sounds like a good time. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, I think right now, this time of year, it, we're about to get into, you know, backcountry conditions being a go if winter turns on, hypothetically. Right. And I think uh, for a lot of our listeners, it would be interesting to hear you talk about the importance of uh, knowing about the mountains, avalanche safety, first aid, risk maturity, all that stuff. Yeah, let's get after it. Um, we started the season, of course, with two. Now we do two risk maturity classes kind of back to back. This year's was, um, I mean, they, they've all been great, but this year's was exceptional. We had uh, an incredible crew. I think we did 38 uh, invitees this year. Um, you know, guest speakers every night. That class is is uh, starts with two days of peak first aid training in town, which you've done, and is pretty intensive. Uh, lots of great stuff comes out of that. And then we bring them up into the mountains to talk about mountain travel, share experiences, um, do case studies, and then we go out into the field and dig a lot of snow profiles, do a lot of improvised first aid you know, in the field, practice that kind of stuff. So that when these crews are out there and, and inevitably if something happens, it's not the first time they've had to take their first aid kit out or, uh, you know, hopefully we can help people avoid getting into problems at all in the first place by, you know, you know what they say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of something else. I don't remember the whole thing. Do they, do but, they, uh, do they say yeah, that? They say something. I don't know. Maybe you got, maybe Silk D can look that up on the Google. <laughs> what that expression is. I'm not sure. You I got the intern, like get him working in there, you know? Yeah. No. An he's... ounce of something is a pound of something else. Anyways, I think, uh, it's not about my memory here. What it's about is first aid. <laughs> and, uh, back an ounce of prevention but, is know. worth a pound of cure. Benjamin Franklin. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Benjamin Franklin. Nice. Nice reference. Right? Yeah. It's a Ben Franklin quote. Is that um, the first Ben Franklin quote on the bomb hole? It, it could be. It could be. Uh, I want to. to me. I want to hear uh, the success story that you told me the other day about the uh, the first aid. All right. happening. So, um, backing up a little bit, there's a gentleman named Tyler Ravel. He's doing a great job of taking pictures of people. He actually has the cover of Jody Watsniak, uh, this this uh, snowboarder journal, snowboard journal. So. He was out there, wanted to get involved. It's the first time he's ever taken uh, any instruction like this. So he did the peak first aid training, came to risk maturity, and literally left 
uh, got on a red eye, flew to Orange County, said he had a photo shoot for Oakley in the moto space. They went out to uh, some sand dunes somewhere in Southern California. So literally this guy is wearing Gore-Tex and Long John's one day, and then he's going down to shoot a MX thing in the desert the next day. And uh, sees a young man, uh, very well-known, but I'm not in the MX world, I think Alex someone. Axel? Um, who, Axel, yeah, Axel someone. Uh, anyways, sent it off of a giant sand dune and somehow cased it and found himself injured. And uh, lots of people around, but nobody with any first aid training. And he came upon this young man with a broken femur and immediately slipped right into his, his uh, safety mind and uh, started recording things like uh, respirations per minute, heartbeat, checked him for shock, realized he had a broken femur, pulled traction on that femur correctly, continued to monitor him, called for further first aid. They brought a helicopter in. Uh, literally, you know, most probably life-saving intervention that Tyler performed on this young man. They got him in the helicopter, flew him away, and apparently the the ambulance attendants, the air ambulance attendants, were just over the moon that somebody who actually had some formal first aid training was able to put hands on this guy and keep him stable and keep things calm and follow the path set out by by uh, his training. So it's really a good reminder that this first aid training we do isn't really just about avalanches and, and trauma that happens in the backcountry snowboarding. It's like people fall down escalators every day and there's car accidents and people hurt themselves skateboarding, all these things. And just having that little bit of training, two days, seven days of training, uh, you'll use it for sure. And, and I have a question about him have, pulling traction. Did he have a, did he have a tourniquet that he had gotten from the, the, you know, brought to yeah. risk maturity. So you had an actual tourniquet to pull traction on the femur. You know, I don't know if he used a tourniquet to pull traction or if he improvised it. You know, the tourniquet is not necessary in all instances. You got to really, I, I haven't heard the details of the injury, but apparently it was a uh, displaced and broken femur, but I don't know if it was uh, exposed and compound or not. I haven't, I haven't talked to him and gotten all those details yet. But he did have his first aid kit, and he was able to use that first aid kit to improvise and pull traction, which is great. He has pictures of it on his Instagram, actually. Cool. And then I, I just remember, yeah. as you were talking to Sean Miskimen last year, right? Didn't those guys pull up on uh, a ski crew or a snowmobiler that got buried right after their risk maturity? It's true. He did, and same kind of situation. He, You know, when you practice this stuff... Um, when you do unfortunately come upon a situation, they, I believe they came upon a snowmobile group where someone had gotten really seriously injured and he just, uh, slipped into his kind of guide mind and started, you know, following the path. That's what they tell us. It's like, just follow the path. And, you know, you check, make sure they're breathing. If they're not breathing. Give them air. You know, are they bleeding? If they're bleeding, you know, give them some compression, like keep it going. And he went through all the uh, steps, and they helped facilitate a really complicated rescue uh, out of the Whistler backcountry with an injured snowmobiler. And that was right after the class last year. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So these are all great things, man. These are great stories. They could definitely go the other way. And uh, it's really great that these guys are taking it seriously and incredible to see how committed our community is to this and how it's blossoming right now. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. You guys getting snow up there in Nelson? Yeah, like we got like eight C's the night before last. It is 
low tide up above 1,850 meters. We're almost where we should be. It's just that we had warm weather and rain early in the season. So there's kind of a line where it gets pretty tough. Luckily at Bald Face, we cut that ghost road in. We have an upper, we have kind of two upper road systems. So we can kind of hot lap the top of the mountain where the snow is good, not have to get into the beats too much. So we're surviving. People are really stoked. Everyone's rebooking. We got 24 people up there right now. And we actually opened Valhalla tomorrow. There's opening day over there. So I'd say we're about 60, 60% of where we should be on the bottom of the mountain. And we're about 90% of where we should be at the top of the mountain. And I'm apologizing to everybody about it when they come out. But then I'm seeing pictures of other resorts in Jackson and some places where they're really struggling for snow. So I think we're doing we're doing really good right now, uh, all things considered. Cool, JP. Um, love that. How's and, it down there? How's it in Utah? Uh, park riding's good. Yeah, it's yeah, fun. Yeah, well, that, you know, that's pretty rad. That's great. But there's not, no, not much riding. snow up in the mountains. There's not a lot of fresh new snow. Which is fun it's when you don't limit yourself to one style of snowboarding. You can have fun in all conditions. But I wanted to, uh, well, before we wrap yeah. it up, I know you got an announcement about uh, a new endeavor that you're about to launch. And I'd love to have oh, you break yeah. breaking news here on the Bombhole bomb exclusive. Oh my God. You're so kind. All right, here it is. I'm after my Bombhole. I got so much good feedback from so many dedicated listeners it was overwhelming i'm sure that's the way it is for everybody who comes on it was great and um yeah so i'm gonna start a podcast uh i'm actually recording the first episode this week and it's gonna be called rise and fall and i'm gonna do a short form one where it's gonna be 20 to 25 minutes i'm gonna sit with the proponents of uh snowboarding brands that are not around anymore and what i want to do is talk to people about how the brand was founded, what it was like as they were building the brand, what the brand was like at its peak, and then what caused the end of the brand and how it how it ended. And I'm hoping to get some really charismatic and notable people on to be able to talk about their experience of running a brand and have a little bit of a business taste uh, to it, a little business flavor. And after I put some of these episodes together, which I do want to keep kind of short, and I know it's going to be a challenge. I'm hoping to compile some of the learnings that I get from these individual episodes and write a column that'll be in Snowboard Magazine and uh, kind of talk about what we can learn from these things so that as other new entrepreneurs start getting great ideas in our space, they can have some, some passed on knowledge in our industry and learn from some of the mistakes and some of the successes in the past. So there you go. It's going to be called Rise and Fall. Look for it. Well, we're looking forward to listening to it. I think it'll be amazing. You're so well-spoken. You have such a great connection of friends and, you know, Rolodex of people that you're close with that there'll be endless good stories. So I'm fucking hyped to check it out, JP. You're going to annihilate. You're going to cool. kill it. Well, I got you, you. You've broken trail for me, Chris. It'll be easy following in your, your massive 32 footsteps. I hate, I, it's not that hard. You're going to do great. <laughs> but I just, <laughs> you're going to crush it. Uh, all right, JP, I'm going to wrap it up. We're going to, we got a big show. We're going to keep moving on, but uh, appreciate you calling and chatting with us. And it's always a pleasure, my friend. See you, JP. Keep up the good work. I'll see you guys all up here. Take care. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Later.
Okay, what a good chat with JP. Man, such a legend. The 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 avalanche stuff's crazy. Yeah. The or the the rescue stuff. And you were there for when Jeremy broke both of his legs and mm. almost died. And I, I just think it's like it's always great to talk about if you're gonna fuck around in these mountains, know know how to see how to save your buddies. You know? It's not if, it's when. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you gotta like know. So I do think too, um the course that they offer at Bald Face is Incredible. I haven't actually gone to the risk maturity one, but everybody who has, it seems amazing. But I do think it's worth noting that you can get that same training um, where you live, yeah. you yep. know, and I, I, I it, we should have asked Jeff like what um, uh, certifications he recommends, but I do think for the individuals who can't really afford to go to the bald face one, there still are like Abby and first aid trainings um, within your areas. So definitely uh, pursue those. Like, don't just be like, oh, no, I can't go to the bald face risk maturity, so I'm just not going to do it. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we just finished it. one here with the UAC. Yeah. Like, Griff organized it, Harry and Blake and everybody, you know, with just a small group of us, like three-day course or two-and-a-half-day course. It was super mellow. Super, like, I learned so much, you know, and it also, like, it got us through the reps. I've never done, like, that good of beacon drills and we were like on slope, strapped in. They got three people down. Go find them, and it was like the clock's on. And right. it's you can never get enough practice. All right, we're gonna do a giveaway for Dragon. We got some goggles here, uh, the NFX twos, and their team kicks ass. Dragon kicks ass. They just came on board. Uh, shout out to Mariner, who's killing it over there. Um, they got Blake Paul on their squad. Just dropped a new stinky bug edit. You guys, you guys see that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible. Pure flame. So um, if you if you want to win these goggles, DM us a photo of your current horrific goggle. We want to see some goggles that are scratched up, destroyed. If your goggles are horrendous, send us a photo, and we will hook up the person that we think truly needs some new goggles. So DM it to the bomb hole, and we will pick a winner. They have the new Dragon NFX2. It's got patented iTech Luma lens, reducing eye fatigue, and it's superior anti-fog technology, which is great when you're hiking around the mountains. You don't want to be fogging up there. No fogging problems. No fog. No fog. Nobody needs fog. No fog's given. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so check that out if you want to win this. Uh, these goggles. DM it to the bomb hole. Okay. Uh, Des, I got a Patreon question. But let's check in. Let's just check in with you here. Let's point the lens at you here for a little bit because uh, you just got fucked up in Mammoth. How you? How are you feeling? What's going on? <laughs> What's going on Mammoth. in the world of Des? Oh man, I mean, yeah, I went eleven month recovery to three three weeks of riding to um, eight weeks of recovery. Just uh, did a, It's called like a transverse process fracture on three of my vertebrae on the right side. Like fractured the right wings off and um pretty brutal honestly because we are uh, you know it's we're getting into it in the winter i'm producing a movie with my buddy ted borland and you know sponsors gave us money to make this movie and i'm really excited about the idea we got a bunch of ams in it actually and then we got some heroes in it too um i don't know we'll let that be a surprise as things unfold but it's kind of hard to be like, you know, a person in charge and then just benched immediately. So, 
Yeah. You're going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm little, little looking s- so forward to this project, yeah. too. That's going to be sick. So <laughs> He's got plenty of time. So you see, sick. Bodhi didn't start filming till March. And he has like the best footage out of anybody. The whole, whole freaking. Have you seen any of his footage? Oh, Bodhi's incredible. I incredible. saw the part. I, Psycho. He, he's incredible. Yeah. There. <laughs> we, we all know Bodhi yeah. is the best. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He, he's. I never got to answer the question, but, you know, but he's the goat. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Do you not get asked that when you came no. out? No. I think we, I think that my episode kind of spawned the, because we were mm. talking about, you know, The Last Dance and all that. Yeah. That kind of oh, spawned yeah. that. All right, yeah. we, we have a question a uh, from one of our Patreon members, Jelly Dabeen. Great name. Desiree, since starting and working with Stay, what has surprised you the most? And maybe preface that with explaining what Stay is for people that don't know. Yeah, sure. Uh, STAY uh, stands for Somebody's Thinking About You. Um, we are a 501c3 nonprofit that... Um, you know, we advocate for mental health awareness in the action sports landscape, and we have an emphasis on suicide prevention. Um, we've lost some great members of our community to suicide. As we touched on on my bomb hole back in the day, uh, I had attempted in the past. Um, mental health issues are real. Uh, suicide is real. Um, the numbers are sadly growing. And there's just not much being done about it, uh, specifically in our landscapes. So that's where we just kind of try to drive this conversation. Um, I, I think the most surprising thing about having started it is, you know, um, first of all, the reception has been great. Um, people generally support us. They love the idea. Um, we're a very small team, so growth is slow. Obviously that's kind of how it goes with nonprofits within your first three years. Um, and whenever you have like another thing to do, like grad school or jobs. Um, so we're slow, uh, things are growing, the reception's been fantastic, but the reality is, is, um, especially in the realm of suicide prevention, there's just not a lot of information. There's not a lot of things you can do. There's not a lot of people talking about it and, you know, we're fighting a rather large stigma. Um, so that, that's, that's just what, what's been surprising where it's like, especially I entered grad school, I'm, um, becoming a therapist, you know, and wanting to specialize in suicidality. It's kind of like, oh my God, there's really not a lot of information. Um, and it's just a, it's, it's a thing that happens. So that's, what's been most shocking to me. Cause I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to learn all this shit and we're going to make it change and people are going to stop dying and people are still dying. Um, so, 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 I mean, you breezed over talking about it being important. I'd love to hear you elaborate on that. On what? Ta- just, just talking about suicide. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, you know, uh, if, if we look at it or if you consider it, usually uh, suicide happens because individuals don't ask for help. And I think there's even a ton of issues with asking for help. I think everyone says to do it, but how do you ask for help? Who do you ask for help? What is even helpful for somebody who is uh, suffering to the point where they no longer want to live? Um, and that's where, you know, the, 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 the biggest thing that we can do to begin combating, um, the suicide rate is to communicate about it, kind of understand that the reasons why we're not communicating about it is because there is a stigma. Um, it becomes uncomfortable. It's used against people. It's, um, it's weaponized. Um, and so it's, it's very important just to recognize like, we can talk about our feelings. Like we can talk about what's happening in our lives. We can talk about death and dying and it it shouldn't be these things that are hidden. And I understand a lot of people, you know, you want things to be private 
and you want to, you know, keep the stoke going, uh, especially in this culture, snowboarding culture, like you got to be high vibes. You got to like put on a mask, especially to succeed as like a athlete, you know? Um, but the reality is, is uh, life is not good all the time and it is totally okay to not be okay. And um, it, it's really important to just figure out how do I talk about these things? Who and who do I talk to? And what do the safe spaces look like? And it's a thing you have to actively do right now um, because that's the society that we live in. I like, I love, I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, this is, this shit's fun for me. And I had a, I don't know if I've ever said this on air. Maybe it's just in my head. I don't know. But I just, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking about, you know, talking about feelings and stuff like, you know, and I think for a long time, you know, there's this, I don't know, I, I can only speak from my lens, and it's like, uh, you know, fucking be a man, don't talk about it, you know, just kind of like, just whatever, whatever right? So, but I, I gotta flip that on its head right now, because if you think about it, okay, like, what's easier? You can kind of bury your feelings, and be like, I'm just gonna avoid and not think about it, and just fucking shove it down, and like, fucking compartmentalize it, and just like, not deal with what, and, and like, what's scary? Like, what's, it's fucking kind of scary to take a look at the fucking things that, that, you know, whether it's suicide or depression or things that are, you know, in your psyche that are bothering you, that are, that are kind of causing, causing you to feel a certain type of way. So it's like, it's actually fucking kind of, it's kind of like if you want to be a man, like if, in the sense of like being tough or whatever that means, you know, fucking take a look at the scary shit. It's like hitting the big jump. You're like, fuck it. I'm going to take a look at this. It's like, <laughs> fuck it. I'm going to hit the big jump. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like actually fucking bury your feelings is kind of actually like not hitting the big jump. It's the easy way out. It's kind of yeah. the easy. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm going small side. I'm going, I'm going small side. I'm not yeah. going big side. I don't want to turn this into a gender thing, but it is definitely 100% more manly to uh, go to therapy than to not yeah and it is yeah. a bit more manly to uh acknowledge your anger issues yeah. and learn how to communicate yeah. than it is to uh be a dick you know yeah. so it, it's a uh, i kind of love the direction you're going with that you where know what i was trying to say uh, no i love it and yeah. i and i do think like uh, for like the quality humans that i do know who have become like pretty incredible man it's men it's because they've taken that hard look in the mirror and they've done the work you know and that's the thing it is work it is like getting the confidence to send it off you know, that big jump for your <laughs> analogy or whatever. Like, no, it's great. Um, I fully agree. Fun. Yeah. Um, so if people want to, you know, what's the, there's a couple questions I have while we're talking about stay. If people want to support, what's the best way to do it? A. And B, I think a good question is like, we, you know, most people have friends that are, we know are suffering and we don't know what to do. Uh, how should we proceed? Or do you have any advice on how to proceed and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so to support stay, the best thing you can do is, um, honestly just wait a second because our website is going to launch so soon. I know I've been saying that for about a year, but we will have everything available through the website. If you get, if you're just like, let us support you, let us help you out. We have a Venmo. It's somebody singing about you. Send us your money. We need money. Um, I also want to plug here a program that we are about to launch. Um, we have created a free, interview assessment and diagnosis program that will be available online to anybody. Um, we don't really know how it's going to work yet because uh, 
like I said, it's new and we need money for it to run. But what we really love about this idea is that it removes the actual barrier of knowing what the hell is going on. So the way it would work is um, you sign up, you create a client portal, everything's HIPAA approved, confidential. We have licensed therapists who are going to be running it and you're going to have an interview with the therapist. Uh, the therapist will, you know, either provide an assessment or, you know, kind of just figure out what's going on with you. And then you'll receive a suggested diagnosis and almost like a map for ways to move forward. You know, some people don't need therapy. Some people just need behavioral lifestyle adjustments. Some people need to see psychologists. Like some people just, you know, the issue is, is like people don't have the privileged information. This is going to be our attempt at providing access to the privileged information for free. And like I said, we, we need uh, public funding for this program to launch. So if you want to give us your money, please give us your money. It's for a great cause. Um, otherwise, if you're trying to help a friend in need right now or, you know, find resources, the internet's kind of the best place to start. Uh, so if you're trying to help a friend in need and you don't know where to start, you don't have the information, and, uh, you know, reality is, is if you want to find a therapist, usually there's a couple week wait, can even get to a couple months late, but depending on, depending on where you live. And if you live in a rural environment, chances are you don't even have a, a therapist available or you're scared to seek um, therapy. There's a website called the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, NAMI. Dot org. Uh, there's a resource page there, and that's actually the most robust um, database for uh, resources for mental health issues. And um, depending how you identify, you know, there, there's specific ones for uh, every type of person. Um, so that's kind of like the go-to resource. Gangster. Yeah. And then, so, okay, well, you answered both my questions. Now, I want to talk snowboarding in your new project. Uh, who's in it? Who's making it? What's the concept? Oh, shit. I'm not going to talk about the concept. The concept, the people who know about the concept will, uh, they support us. It's going to be a surprise. I want it to be a surprise. It is going to be more like of a fight club. It's like first. <laughs> <fight club. laughs> you don't talk about fight club. Yeah. Okay. What I find the most interesting right now, because, um, you know, there was that garage mag, uh, yeah. anonymous video that dropped. You know, and I, I think a couple of us know who that was. Um, I definitely know who it was. And it's there, there's an ongoing conversation about all snowboarding videos being the exact same mm. right now. And I, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but um, I think there's some redundancy. I also think there's some beauty in it. I think video parts are a necess necessity for the stepping stone to becoming pro. You know, like there are a couple of pros who haven't filmed incredible video parts who are very pro right now. Zed Powell is a great example. Like, you know, like he hasn't really done the whole video part thing, but I know he wants to. But I, I do think that video parts are the stepping stone. So uh, I, I think we've entered into a phase where everybody can make movies. You know, we got a hundred of them, a hundred street videos dropping per season now. And, uh, you know, my, my brain is kind of like, well, how do we do it a little differently? And not trying to reinvent the wheel. I don't think... You know, I'm special by any means, but it's fun to, uh, you know, throw some shit at a wall and see what sticks. Mm. Great philosophy. Mm -hmm. You'll throw it. the shit at the wall, see if it sticks. Yeah. Um, you just asked Kokart a question. What was it? And we kind of went back to, oh, yeah, redundancy in snowboard videos. That's yeah. a good That's a good topic. Anybody want to elaborate on that? Uh, I've, I haven't really noticed it, but you see it in comments. You know, online, it's like, ah, just another emo snowboard video, blah, blah, blah. Like, you see a lot of those. And I get it, you know. There's, like, a vibe that everyone's going for and kind of, you know, 
lot of eight millimeter, super eight, super yeah. eight, a lot of super eight lifeys, and just kind of that blueprint that was created in like I don't know 2010. Um, but yeah, so I can see where you're coming from. Like it's definitely getting old, and I think people are ready for something new. So that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, but then there's like the conversation like, does art belong in a snowboard movie? Totally. Thank you. Because it is, like you were saying earlier, it's art. Yeah. I mean, I think like the formulas, like skate video or snowboard video, there's like, there's a, these like natural formulas that kind of form. And that's totally cool, I think. And, you know, you make a part or you make a video and you execute your vision and that's awesome. But also, in the same point, like, it helps these like different projects really stand out, you know, that have a little more thought or have a little more uh, direction as far as like trying to include a concept. So I think um, I can't wait for Des's project. This sounds so amazing. And like what what you've done with like United Slopes, like I'm such a big fan of that. Just like the narration and the, and including this like creative writing to the whole process. It's like, I think it, it, yeah, I think the formulas are great, and I think also it helps you break the formula and really stand out, too. Yeah, I do want to say there were a couple creative ones this year. I think uh, uh, Naima made a pretty fun, yeah, creative amazing. take on a snowboard film, a little storytelling, and then there was like always, like, you know, Travis Rice like did his thing with, you know, a couple narrative magical tree things, and I think I think it's just at a point where it's like, I really want to encourage the community and, like, the writers to, like, once again, like be vulnerable. Like what, what is, what can that look like? And it's not for everybody, you know, not everybody needs to do it. Cause that's the thing too. If everybody did, it, I'd be like, fuck, let's go back to fucking snow porn. Like trick, 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 trick. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think that it's, it's just, it's great because snowboarding we're, we're, in, we're all in a similar lane, right? We, we all, I think have a sim semi similar philosophy about like, we like tricks and the way we grew up, we grew up watching, you know, these videos that are edited a certain way. And it's like, we've, we've kind of emulated that and that's been, but that, that doesn't have to be the way, you know? And I, I just got an interesting message. Uh, this is a, from one of our Patreon members, shout out to Matthew, uh, Kuna Rigby. And, uh, I actually watched this video after I saw this to, to kind of follow up, but he said, just watch Nidecker's left right and was curious what you guys thought given in that it was fully focused on the art of turning and didn't include any steel or tricks or jumps i got pretty excited to get on the hill after watching it and i'm wondering if you guys got the same feeling and you know i watched it uh have you guys watched it all no no all good yeah so it's really the whole thing is turning whether it's like turning on hard pack, turning with a follow cam, turning down big mountain lines, talking about the beauty of the turn. Um, and, and it's like the, it's, it's amazing. Cause like, what's the effect that it had on the, on this person? It, it made you want to go snowboarding. That's the point of a snowboard video. If you watch something and it speaks to you and it makes you want to go snowboarding, then keep watching that. That's fucking beautiful, you know? And what what I get off on is going to be different than what Dez or Coke. We all have different tastes, and that's also what makes it 
amazing, you know, and turning is something that I like to make fun of it because all my friends are getting older and they turn their back on the park and they're, they're all of a sudden turn people. And so like, I like making fun of turning because <laughs> my friends like to pretend they use it as an excuse to not hit park jumps anymore. That's why I hate turning. I'll be honest with you. And, and so, or so maybe like, you just uh, don't really know how to turn. Yeah, I, yeah. And that's, that's a factor. And I, I, that is a factor. I will, I will say that is a factor. And, and the, the thing is, is that I've been trying to get better at turns and I, I appreciate a good turn when I see like Blair Habernick or Dirksen or I see like certain people do a turn. I'm like, whoo, good God. But then I see my friends that are like, I don't rent the park anymore, man. I just turn. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, that's fucking bullshit. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody. Okay. Th- th- my take is this, is that like, I think turns, they're doing a good turn is beautiful. It will always be beautiful. And it's fucking really difficult. I've done turns at a Solomon shoot behind Vole and Dirksen, and mid-turn, I hear Oli Gegman literally laughing. He's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's because it's like, I'm a professional snowboarder, and I can't even, you know, it's not, it's it's hard. As well. Like, I, I, I appreciate the difficulty of it. But for me, when I'm talking about what gets my goat, what gets me going, what gets the juices flowing... Catching air to like catching air is just yeah. so fun. Back lip down a rail is so fun. A turn is so fun. But you're not gonna tell me that if you front seven a fucking eighty foot kicker and land with your hands in your pockets, that that didn't feel better. That that felt better than a fucking turn on hardback. It doesn't. <laughs> it fucking doesn't. Like I'm sorry. Like it just doesn't. Okay. Like and so that's that's my take. I've always been a trick guy. Talk to me in ten years. I'll be eating my words. Maybe I'll be like, no nah, man, you didn't understand. Didn't understand the art of the turn. But it's if if you love turns, do more turns. Just don't tell me that that park's stupid because when <laughs> when it's not, it's fucking awesome. My that's biggest awesome. my biggest nightmare is uh, going out and filming and having the filmer be like, yeah, just go here and just like slash right there. Cause I will botch it oh, yeah. 100% oh, of the time. I'm like, Times Oh, that, yeah, that looks 100. great. And it's just, I just blow it every time. And it just leaves whoever's standing there like, Oh my God. Like, does this guy even snowboard? Like what the hell? I actually had to do this with you the the day before I blew up my knee. Like, uh, fucking Shane's like, Oh yeah, go do a powder slash. And Bodie's like, yeah, do a slash and do the slash. And Bodie's like, you good? Like, did you, for, like, you're good at snowboarding. You should go do that again. And I just, like, I don't know, dude. No, Shane's actually the person I'm thinking about <laughs> while I'm thinking of this because, yeah, because he can turn better oh, than anybody oh, yeah. out there. And he'll do it with, like, a tripod on his back and his huge camera bag and just go out and do the most perfect turn in the perfect spot with the perfect light. And you're, like, you're just looking at him, like, how did you do that? Like, that is so amazing. And then, you know, it's your turn. It's like, yeah, yeah, right here is perfect. Like, I'm, I got it all framed up. No. It's <laughs> kind of, though, it's one of those things where you can't plot. Like, you can make a million insane turns down a run. You got speed. It's just like, oh, there it is. Boom. Oh, there it is. Boom. You know what I mean? But right. if it's like, turn right there, okay? Like, yeah. that, that's, it's so contrived, you know? Right. It's not like the free-flowingness of, like, what a turn actually could be. Yeah, that's true. I have a question. Why are uh, powder backcountry videos so boring? I got uh, some theories to that. I mean, things that contribute to it. I'd say audio. You know, think about snowboarding when you're sliding down a handrail. It's 
the sounds the sounds of the snowboarding are more interesting. I think the landscape of a city and the fact that you have buildings and and rails and you're you're generally like you know fisheye in the stairs and it's exciting. You're flying over the lens. Uh, I think the the landscape of it it's challenging and and I think there's a lot of slow mo and slow mo uh, can be boring. And yeah. so, but I certainly appreciate it and love it. But if you're talking about why, I think that are those are my thoughts. On I the think factors. there's ways to yeah. make it interesting through the whole video. You know, like for sure when it's just like cheese wedge after cheese wedge, step down, step down, step down. You start to think about other things. You're like, eh, you know, your mind just starts to wander. But if you're like thinking creatively and trying to like, I don't know just not hit a bunch of cheese wedges like it's more interesting for me to watch that you know you got some log rides in there or whatever you're just kind of thinking a little bit outside the box i mean i love hitting jumps like backcountry jumps step downs cheese wedges like that's all day for me but yeah it's it's really important when you're like thinking about your video part to like mix in these weird little things that are like bringing people's attention back to like you know what you're watching Great point. Seth, you got yeah. any takes on that? Yeah, I don't know. I think it just comes down to the writer and the style, the video, the filmmaker. You know, there's a lot of variables out in the backcountry and filming mountains. You're limited with angles and, you know, what you can actually do or, you know, whoever's creative vision of, like, what they want to ride, whether it's if it's just only cheese wedges or not. But, um, yeah, I think it – I think um, – I don't know. I don't know why. If it's it boring, if it's boring editing. for you, because yeah, the editing, editing is like because you you could put in personality. Yeah. Like think about Parker. You know Travis Parker's parts. Like majority are backcountry, mm-hmm. and yeah. but but there's lifestyles of him doing dumb shit in there sprinkled in, right? And it know? makes it fun, makes and it awesome. Fun. And then when you see that next cheese wedge clip, you're like, "This is awesome!" Yeah. You know? <laughs> As opposed to like oh, another jump clip. Yeah, yeah, and it, it depends upon how what you put into it. If it's just a small dot down a screen the whole time, it yeah. gets monotonous. So it's like trying to find those ways to like spice it up. If you are an only backcountry film writer, you know what I mean. Like, think like, oh, I need to get a fisheye shot. I need to get close to the camera. I need to like. Make it fun. Yeah, make, make it, it exciting. Making yeah. it personable because usually it is shot from a valley away. It's hard to get personal at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah, I. it's just funny because it's like a – or whatever. I'm a real kid. Obviously never really progressed in the backcountry very far. Been, been out there. Never you really were out there. Far. I've been out there. But, and, you know, the comic consensus with the kids a lot of the time is like, oh, the powder movie, boring. Going to skip it. Going to skip it. It's boring. I will say, though, in that the movie that uh, Parker and Rav made, the Vans one, I don't know who was on the follow cam fish in the backcountry. Olivier. That shit made it so engaged. Like, and I, yeah. I think it's the movement. I like. I think you're onto something. Where it's like, I think it's the ways in which we capture the writing because that shit made it yep. so sick. And that requires like uh, Olivia was hiking every every try with them. The film with the big massive camera and the board. It's like okay, every try. Like he was filming Blake. I think on a triple line, and the whole time I I was like across the lake or whatever and just was watching him he's hiking up just with the rider just the same so it's kind of what i get i think it's like what everybody puts into it right mm-hmm. like what's the quote you get out what you, get you out put, put in. in yeah colonel kotzenberg said that on air it's probably somebody else's Smart. originally uh there's a question going back to turns uh i don't know if anybody has one we'll just skip over but if anything comes up this is from jungle loke great name what's your best turn story 
I mean, I mentioned mine earlier. Uh, we were in Sosfe on a Solomon shoot. Uh, <laughs> Dirksen dropped in beautiful toe side. Vole dropped in beautiful toe side, shooting photos for a catalog. I drop in same place, try to just go rob Machado on them and just whack a heel side. And the photographer, Oligan, just laughed. He laughed at me. He laughed at me. <laughs> so, uh, that hurts. Yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, any, any come up to mind for you guys? You got, didn't you get hurt on a turn? I mean, Oh fuck! I got I got her turning. <laughs> I blew out my knee turning. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a high Abbey high Abbey day, and so we're just we're in the backcountry in Logan. Bodie Bodie it fucking rules. He was just doubling me out every day, and that that's the beauty of a couple of these dudes that lend the assist. So yeah, like Bodie's just you know doing due diligence, helping me out, and we're on a low incline run, and it's really fun perfect powder kind of snowing lightly and i hit a bump under the snow while it was turning stump or something it was fucking something but yeah totally uh completely ruined my knee so you know yeah you you can't get hurt in the air Bodie always says that yeah i don't agree with that (laughs) you got hurt on the ground i got hurt on the ground you got hurt on the ground so it checks out so <sighs> yeah, yeah. So actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. still right. Yeah, the right. data is in. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. So again, I'm gonna say, hit a jump. Can't get hurt in the air. All right. Let's talk snacks. Let's talk hippies. What are hippies? Well, they're chips that are made from chickpeas, and they're packed full of flavor. Here at the bombhole, we like the nacho vibes. That's what we always ask for. And we demolish, we delete bags of chips here while we're working at the office. One thing that's cool about hippies is that they're farmed with 10% of the water of most proteins. So that's 90% less water taken from Mother Nature. So support sustainable farming. How do you do that? By sustainable snacking. And we all love snacking. So uh, you might catch Silk D just putting down a bag of these at least a day. And if you're interested in picking up uh, hippies, which are non-GMO, by the way, you can find them at your local grocery store or at hippies.com. And use promo code BOMBHOLE for 20% off your order. All right, let's talk about one of my favorite places, Mammoth Mountain. Just got back from a fun trip there with the 32 squad. The park was firing. It was absolutely hitting. They got a Grand Prix coming up January 31st to February 3rd. They'll have the Slope Style and Super Pipe event. Be sure to check that out if you want to see some insane snowboarding firsthand. These people are very impressive. So check that out at Mammoth. It's right at Main Park. And let's talk about their parks. At peak season, they got over 140 features in their unbound terrain parks. They got 10 parks, 100-plus rails, 40-plus jumps, and at any time, a mini pipe, a mega pipe, and countless transition features. They got, of course, Main Park, which is, I think it's like 2 minutes and 40 seconds, give or take, to get back to the top, high speed lift. So you're getting, you're able to get your reps up like you wouldn't believe. If you want to progress, Main Park is the place to do it. Dusty Hendrickson would be a product of Mammoth Main Park, and he is incredible. They got South Park, still pretty big, fun, flowy. You can get after it in South Park, different aspect, different part of the mountain. Then, of course, you have Forest Trail, which is more medium-sized jumps. You might catch the old heads or the groms getting after it beautifully built park jumps there fun jibs 
And then you have a trend. They have a full transition run. I think it's called the Snake Run. That thing's insane. They got the Wonderland Playground, kind of a beginner park. And then they have the transition park. Everything dedicated to transitions. So they got everything you need. And then the mountain itself is incredible on a powder day. You can get into it as much as you want to. You can ride lines. You can hit cliffs. They got it all. And I would say the two things I love about riding Mammoth Park, aside from the high-speed quad so you can get your reps up, would be the jumps are built perfectly. It's a great place to progress. When a jump is built well, you can land on your back and you're okay. So they got steep landings, great takeoffs. Shout out to the park crew over there. They absolutely kill it. And the steel slides really well. So if you're looking for a good vacation, be sure to check out Mammoth. They support the show, so be sure to support them. And have a good time this winter. Check out Mammoth. Okay, we're going to take a call with Jay Stone. Um, He works over at K2 in product development, and he's got some topics he wants to get into. Let's see if we got him on the line. Jay Stone, you there? What up, dog? Good to have you back on air, my friend. What's happening? How we doing? Uh, Just uh, got done with a little shift at Woody's. Nice. How's the how the front fives feeling? Oh, dude, feeling nice. It was a it was a good day for it. I I was wondering if you uh, speaking of Woodward, if you could walk us through your first two runs we took uh, about a week ago up there. <laughs> you really hit the ground running. Uh, really great oh. start to the day. Yeah. You're really throwing me under the bus on this one. Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh yeah. Uh, yeah, run one clean, just, uh, there's a little berm with a stick on the top of it. Tried to just do like a layback tail tap, waxed my board way too hard, sent me backwards head first into a chunder field, uh, tore the back up pretty nice on some ice. That was, that was run one. That was and, within 15 seconds of dropping into the hill annihilated <laughs> just to kind of give you guys a little yeah, yeah. More context. <laughs> Okay, and then yeah, let's I go to the, take it to run two because that that was great. I loved it, but yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Run two. Uh, asked you if the rails were sticky or not because uh, they can be a little sticky up at Woody's, and uh, go to just board slide a little flat down and get absolutely leveled to my back, full slip out. So, <laughs> really starting it off right. It was a great day. It was a respectable just bodied right out of the car. It was just something that makes me happy. I love seeing that back to back. Uh, So I think we got some good topics to talk about. We had a low snow year. A lot of people getting core shots. Okay. And I think, you know, you get a scratch in your snowboard. You don't need a new snowboard. You can repair it. No. You can get a base grind. And you worked at Milo Sport for a long time, so you know how to fix snowboards really well. Also, uh, give the people that don't know who you are your title so so the listeners know who they're talking to because this is an impressive title. Serve up the title. Uh, God damn it. It's uh, <laughs> Senior Global Design Engineer Snowboards for K2. That's a badass title. Yeah. Senior. Senior and global, both <laughs> in the title. And, and I, I have snowboard in Canada since last time we chatted, so, uh, so global. We're, we're rounding out the continent. Global checks out at global. this point. It was, he was actually more of a domestic... Uh, it, Senior. <laughs> a bit of a domestic engineer. You know? <laughs> we're, we're Mr. Worldwide at this point now. Yes. We're doing good. Yeah. Shout out to Pitbull. Okay. So oh, getting God. getting back to, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about core shot repairs here. Yeah, dude, for sure. Uh, this is, I mean, always like early season people, they like unwrap the brand new board from Christmas, go take it out and just smoke a rock or something. And 
think their board's ruined, but uh, it's actually super easy to repair. Um, and we'll talk like two different types of base repairs. There's like your classic, just like gouge in the P-Tex or scratching the P-Tex. And then there's like a core shot where you actually rip away the base material and you actually hit the core of the board and like the core is exposed. So they're both super easy to fix um, with just like your standard scratch or gouge in the base. Uh, that's a little bit easier to fix. All you need to get is one of those P-Tex candles. You can get them from pretty much any shop out there. Um, and the, the big thing with that is when you're fixing your board, so you want to cut out any of the loose base material with a razor blade. So get it all cleaned up nice. And then when you go ahead and light the P-Tex candle, I think most people think they just like drip the P-Tex into the scratch. Uh, and you kind of see that little like ball of plastic fire dripping into the board. And that's actually not what you want to do when you're fixing the board. That makes it so the P-Tex is way more likely to crack and it's not going to bond as well to the base material. So a little pro tip with that is if you get a metal scraper, light up your P-Tex candle, get it hot where it's starting to drip, and then you bring it down close to the metal scraper. So it's only like maybe a half inch or a centimeter off of the scraper it'll start to, the flame will turn blue and you'll start to see like a little river of P-Tex melting off the candle onto the scraper. And then once that happens, you can move it over onto your the base of your board and start filling in the gouge. And that way you're getting the, uh, the plastic super hot. So it actually will melt the base material and let the P-Tex bond to it. So I'll, I'll make a little video and uh, I'll have Silk toss it up on the screen. So that kind of makes a little bit more sense. You got uh, it. But that's a, yeah, yeah. You know what's up. Uh, but that's definitely like the proper way to P-Tex. And then uh, you can take a razor blade and just hold it vertically on the base and then rub it back and forth across where you p-tex once it cools and you can just scrape it right away like that so you don't need a full base grind if you're just doing a couple little p-tex spots but if you're riding the board a bunch early season and you're getting a ton of gouges throughout the whole thing from rocks but nothing's hitting the core you can just go ahead and rip a base grind and freshen that thing up get a little you know maybe some structure Added in there. I know uh, Ryan talked about that on the last episode. Uh, you know, freshen the board up for the rest of the season. That's super easy to do. Mm. And is that a base weld or is that a. Uh, so, so for, so that's just like standard, like standard P-Tex. And then, so if you get an actual <laughs> core shot in your board where the core is exposed, uh, that's when you'll use a material called metal grip. And that's what a base weld is. And you, do that a little bit differently so you can buy the metal grip it looks super similar to p-tex uh but you just do it in a little bit of a different way where you you'll still clean up the area you know like cut out any of the loose p-tex with a razor blade and then you can take a little sandpaper and sand out the area where you're gonna do the base weld and that'll just help the the metal grip bond better and you can pretty much just cut a little chunk of that material off and lay it in where your your big gouge is, the core shot. And you can take a lighter or a torch and start heating it up to where it starts melting. 
and then take your your flat metal scraper and once it's super melted you basically smash it into the board and so it creates this like big glob and that's going to seal up the core bond to the wood base material everything get it all cleaned up and then once that cools down you can just take a little razor blade and cut off the excess and then you're pretty much good to go from there but that's the best way to do it you don't if you have wood exposed on the base of the board you don't want to use just a p-tex candle because it's not going to stick and it's just going to crack and fall out and if you get so water in your core you're fucked basically right yeah exactly it, it just like yeah you'll get water in there it'll freeze expand crack the core and then your board will probably end up breaking after a few times of riding like that. So, I mean, you can get away with like a day where you have a big core shot, but you definitely want to dry it out as soon as you can and toss a little metal grip in there. Okay. I got another subject that we talked about prior to the show. Uh, you're in the lift line. You noticed a lot of people and their bindings and the way their bindings are positioned on their snowboard and I think uh, I would love to hear you do a little PSA on how to keep your binding centered in the middle of your snowboard so your toe and heel drag is even. Yeah, dude, I see this all the time. It's crazy. You know, you see someone in the lift line, they have literally two inches of heel drag on their board and then no toe drag. And you ask them how their board rides and they're like, dude, it rips toe side turns. But every time I do a heel side turn, I just slide out and you're like, well, that's because your whole shit setup is so shifted to one side. So, yeah, this is something like when we worked at when I worked at Milo, every time we'd set somebody up, we'd always make sure their boot in the binding was centered on the board. Um, and so the easiest way for someone to check that at home is you can just take your boot, toss it in your binding, strap it all the way in and then flip the board over and look at it from the base side. And you'll be able to see how much toe hang versus heel hang you have. And you want to be as centered as possible. And so, you know, a lot of binding brands out there have adjustable heel cups. So that's a super easy way where you just loosen a couple screws and you can slide that heel cup in or out. And that's going to help you center the boot over the board. Because you don't want to be shifted to one side because it's just going to make, you know, one of your turns really laggy and take a long time to get on edge and then one of your turns is going to be feel way different and then you're probably gonna yeah boot out and fall just because your bindings are set up bad it's not because of the board or anything so flipping it over looking at from the base side if you have those adjustable heel cups adjusting them in or out to get it to where the boot is centered in the binding on the board or if you don't have an adjustable heel cup binding, you can rotate the disc or there's multiple slots for the disc. And you just want to adjust that toe to heel. And it might take a couple tries to get it dialed, but it's going to make the board ride so much better if you're centered over the top of it. Like it's just something that I think it's overlooked a ton, especially. And then with people with adjustable heel cups, if you're not consistently tightening your hardware throughout the year, those all the hardware can get loose and your heel cup can slide out and then you get off like shifted off the center of your board so i think it's a it's a really easy thing for anyone to do at home like toss the boot in there check it real quick and see if you're looking good beautiful thanks for shedding some insight jay stone on all this stuff um i think it's all really good stuff for our listeners learning about snowboarding and all that stuff so uh 
I love it. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Any new product stuff, uh, nerd stuff you want to get into or? Dude, there's, I mean, endless stuff. I mean, we could always, we could always hit a little on uh, a little wax tech if you want. Oh yeah. Let's talk waxing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. Uh, I know you guys talked a little bit about it last time, but I think stuff like this, it always helps. Uh, like I was just up at bald face and waxing some boards with some people and, and like, you know, there's like little tips that you learn over the years that you're like, Oh, maybe not everybody knows this stuff. So, um, uh, you know, there's like everything from like when you're going to start waxing your board, uh, it's always good to take like one of those metal brushes or base cleaner and clean off your the base of your board because you're always getting dirt in the base and that's gonna clog the that structure that gets put into the base of your board and so when you go to wax uh if that structure has a bunch of dirt in it or anything it's not going to be as fast on the snow so you're you're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot before you get started um and then always you know selecting like the right type of wax for the snow temp is is a good one pretty much like all the waxes out there it'll have a little temperature range for you and then I think one thing that gets overlooked a bunch is uh, getting a, a dope iron. You know, like the kind makes a good one, Switch makes a good one, where you can actually set the temperature of like how hot the iron gets. And a lot of waxes out there will have a recommended temp. So then that way you're not heating up the wax too much. And, you know, if you start like burning the wax, it kind of ruins the effectiveness of it. But I did not pretty know much, that. is that real? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, so. that's facts. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I turned that son of a bitch all the way up and just roast wax on there. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if if your shit's smoking, then you know your iron's way too hot. So that's like <laughs> we're hitting salts. If, you know, we're hitting salts. We're hitting Shadu, salts. Keep going. Though. We're listening. We're just hitting salts. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> The gens in there just absolutely ripping them to the brain. <laughs> ripping them like four deep. The generals actually might be addicted to smelling salts. We might have to have an intervention. <laughs> he actually he got the brick for Christmas and already went through it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Got the whole oh, kid. God, I got the kids' uh, hockey team just hooked on salts. Just <laughs> mandatory. Uh, gotta start them young, you know. You gotta start them young. Jay Stone, it's Cocard. Hey, dude, up, so, so you're saying that you can wax your snowboard. <laughs> like, you put wax on it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, on, like, oh, okay, so, on the bottom. No, 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 on the top. Oh, on the, okay, okay, gotcha. Grip. Yeah, yeah, so it's, ex, it's extra grippy. It's like and surfing. that's why you want to, yeah, it's like surfing, so you want to make sure you're selecting the correct temp. So as you're getting off the lift, that wax is going to stay on there so you can grip and you're not going to fall. Yeah, that's all really confusing. I'll, I'll just keep bringing my board to Milo and you guys <laughs> do what you do because it's magic when I get it back. I also think that's what they make crab grabs for. Just let people know, just, they, they're joking about wax on the top sheet. Don't do that. I don't There's probably the <laughs> listeners like, wait, they're talking about the top sheet? I just want to clarify that before anybody does that. Yeah. Do you have don't any, wax uh, your top sheet. Jay Stone. Do you have any preferred uh, wax compounds, chemical compounds? Because I know there's some like hydro, whatever chloro, something. Probably got banned, but yeah, yeah. Do you, is there any is there any uh, per- preference that you have for you know chemical p- compounds out there, or is it just wax is wax? 
No, there's definitely waxes that are way better than others. Um, I've been using Wen Wax for the past few years, and they do a bunch of What's rad with them is they do a bunch of biowaxes. So like fluorocarbon and hydrocarbons really bad for the environment. And that's why they're banned now. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're hitting the bomb hole cup, you're probably going to want to put some of that on there if you're trying to podium. Um, just for race days. I like, yeah, this is for race days. We're trying to not use it on the daily. Keep the, keep the environment good. Um, but yeah, I like when stuff, they do a lot of like really high end waxes that are, good for the planet um so i usually use that stuff i think i mean there's there's a few other i mean obviously you know bluebird all those brands out there making really good stuff um but i think like your general all temp wax across the board is going to be like pretty similar no matter what brand you use one ball j or whatever um but yeah i like wind stuff i think it's pretty good wind wax use promo code stoon at checkout, <laughs> set off your order. That's uh, that's S C H O O O O O N. Exactly. Okay. Um. All right. We're gonna keep it moving, Jay Stone. But uh, I really appreciate you letting us know. I learn so much every time. You know, I act like it's for the listeners, but I mean, I didn't know that you could burn wax. Till no, I just learned a I lot learned that today. Yeah. I learned, I've learned that. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's interesting. Take, take your time when you're waxing your board. That's all that matters. Absolutely. All right, Jay Stone. Uh, thanks for calling in. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah. Good to talk to you guys. Happy birthday, Daz. Thank you. I, I heard the buoy just popped. It, the buoy popped. We got 15 inches coming on the eighth. Hey, yo. We might, we might have a, we might have a Jenny pop. Wow. It's a happy yeah. new year. Pop yeah, you the guys, tent, pop the fire. You guys heard about the Jenny pop? You know it's a good day if you see the Jenny pop in the Brighton parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. Stone knows. Is, is that the general yourself pulling up to Brighton? Is that what we're talking about? It's kind of, you know, it's when you pop the tent, pop mm, out the fire. The Jenny pop. Know, Get a little brecky six, going. A little brecky, yeah. Might be the first of the year. Mm-hmm. We'll see. You're not oh, sure yeah. if you're at Burning Man or Brighton when you see him pull up with that Vulcan rig. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so good. You heard the buoy pop. Now there's the Jenny pop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, student. Appreciate you, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Later. Later. That was insightful. Yeah, I actually really did learn a lot. What'd you, what did you learn? I learned that you can fix your snowboard Yep. <laughs> if you get a core shot. Um, was not aware. You're, you're just now telling me for the first time. Um, and then I, you know, waxing techniques, like you put wax on the bottom of your board. <laughs> That's good to know. The best thing is doing the razor blade trick when you put it like just vertically, like edge down, and then you just move it side to side and you just knock off all the excess base weld and all that kind of stuff. That's, you're like, whoa, it's gone. It's really cool. You're just like, oh you my. Take, you do a razor blade? Yeah, you get a razor blade. Like he was saying that. Like once you once you gob all the, the goop on, you know, and it's you just kind of. Yeah, yeah. And then it's not smooth. Are you talking about when you do a base weld? Or yeah, base weld. Yeah, base, yeah. base gouge. T-tex repair. Yeah. And then you just put the razor blade. Yeah. You not like try to knife it. You're yeah. try, you just put it straight down. Yep. Edge straight down. And then you just move it side to side over the area. It just takes everything off, makes it just buffed clean, smooth. Mm. Yeah, it's sick. Wow. 
Jonathan Buffery called. Buffery. I like that. You know, one thing to think about on that too. I do think the more energy, I'm gonna get crunchy. I'm gonna get spiritual. We're gonna we're going down to a Desiree just gagged a little bit. Let's go. This is my <laughs> Let's favorite, go. This is my favorite stuff. But like, when you put your energy towards your snowboard and you give it love and you wax it and you do your stickers and you get it all set up right, <laughs> I swear, like when you look down at it and everything's right, it you feel better. You feel you, you're hyped on your snowboard. You're like, when you put care towards your snowboard, it puts care towards you. Mm. Oh, we should ask them about waxing the sidewalls. Does he do that? Mm. Does See, he think that really works? I wanted to ask him about the difference between a file and a gummy stone and the proper order right. for the rail wow. kids. You guys are. Let's call him back. Good <laughs> <advance>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got another question. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, uh, we're going to get into some Patreon questions, and then we're going to talk about some contest stuff that happened after that. Uh, but this is a Patreon question, kind of long-winded. This one's from Lance Hacker. Desiree just uh, almost choked on her water there, or whatever she's drinking. So uh, I'm interested in hearing everyone's perspective on the place of established pros bringing up the next generation and what they look for in people they're going to put that energy into. Also, do they have a trick they consider their signature trick? If so, what would it be? And what snowboarder do they think has the best of their signature trick? So this is like kind of a three-parter. Yeah. Not all really related. Uh, where do we want to start here? Uh, next generation or signature trick? Des is doing that with the next generation. Yeah, let's Seth go there. has done that. Let's start with the first question. Um, next generation. I've, yeah, there have been a couple people who, you know, you take under your wing. I think, I think also like whatever, uh, it's so important to do this. I think Jess Kamara has done a great job of it. Um, I think, you know, I try to do as good of a job as I can with the resources that I have. Um, and you know what that usually entails is like, uh, filming a video part is privileged information. You know, it's like, how do you figure it out? How do you learn it? What is that like? Uh, how do you build a lip? How do you get snow that doesn't pack? Pack. Uh, there's so many things that go into, especially for street filming, and even in the backcountry. The backcountry, I honestly think, is more intense um, because I'm less well-versed in it. But so it's like you have all this privileged information, and people want to learn how to do it, and sometimes they go out with their friends and they figure it out on their own. But for a lot of the times, especially like these marginalized groups, like you don't have resources and you don't have the information. So there's people who have done the due diligence to teach them how to do it. And, you know, it's funny. I hit my first street spot or one of my first street spots with co-card in like yep. 2007, um, I think, maybe 2008. And, you know, the importance of Brandon being like, yeah, let's put this camera on a tripod. We, we literally had a camera on a <laughs> tripod and we were both hiking the rail. I'm like, I got stuck in between the beams trying to ollie under the rail. Like, couldn't ollie high enough. But then, like, here's Cocard. Who's this like, camera. With yeah. It, yeah. Not the nice. exact one, but, yeah. And, like, so then there's Cocard being, like, nice enough to be like, oh, yeah, I'll go out with you. You know? And, like, that, that it, it's such a difference. So um, it's really important that individuals who have the privileged information share it, um, invest in the youth, um, let them be a part of your projects, make projects for them, um, advocate uh, to your team managers about them, show them what a contract looks like, like just share the information because otherwise they're, they're like, it, especially in the realm of like uh, help uh, as far as like bridging the gap for the growth of like, you know, women's 
snowboarding or professional riding. It's like uh, just making all of that information available quicker will help the progression of the sport and the culture. Um, so that's the importance of it. And what we look, what I look for, I look for drive. I look for um, interest. I, I look for compassion. I look for uh, them having already put in the work to ride at a high level. You know, with the, with this project I'm putting together right now, I do think that specifically these girls in it are um, riding at a really high level, you know, and like the, what can I do to help them? Yeah, get them a Percy filmer, you know, Ted's a little purse for the year. Mm. And the important, like, that's the thing too. That's what will really separate success for a lot of these riders. And you saw it with like the Jill Perkins and like uh, with, with the Hennas and the, um, you know, Maria Thompson even. It's like once they have access to a filmer full time, my God, they're unstoppable. You know, uh, so like whatever. That's I don't do much. I'm just like, yeah, cool. I like you. <laughs> don't devalidate what you do. Um, uh, Seth, you've I feel like you've done the same. Yeah, you know, same role. Um, it's you know, kind of as a, from a writer's standpoint, I think like you you know as a, you know super cutthroat. Like everyone's like grinding and coming up the ranks. You know what I mean? But then as a from a writer's standpoint, looking at the next generation. Who do you want to ride with? You know, you want to ride with these kids with this fire, you know, and these kids that have like like-minded like workability and work ethic and everything else. So, it's you know, you're, you you naturally I think find that like a river going downhill or whatever, following gravity. But from like a team manager standpoint, I look purely off of like energy and what they bring to the crew and like how they just like you know just. It's you can't really put it into words. You just know. Like I saw like the quickest clip of Cannon on his that little tow rope rope mountain across from his house, and it was just like boom. It was I was like, that's it right there. Same with Egan. Saw her up at the um, barrier to entry event in like June, you know, and and then it was like she was still going. She was just ripping, just going at it full on just eating shit getting back up going up there getting the trick and it's like you can just see it and it's pretty evidently clear and then um you know it just kind of comes together so it's it's definitely like an energy it's a vibe and you know someone that's just willing to to do it and brings brings a lot to the the session or the crew or the trip cody warble too like we took him to Austria and it was just, he blew my mind like first year kind of as when he was getting back on to Volcom, like when he was a bit older, you know, a few years ago. And it was just like, holy crap, this kid's just ready to jump off anything. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wow, okay, it's on. And in his style and everything else. So yeah, it's, it's cool. I love seeing that. I love that part of the, you know, the position of just like seeing seeing the riders just thrive you know because that's what you want to do you just want to see people thrive yeah and yeah you're just kind of giving them like a plant giving it some nourishment you're like helping the plant grow you know you're like i you see this person that has potential and you're if i if i can just like you know help help them get where they need to go because i see that they have it you know that's what you guys are doing and it's really cool uh there's a couple other questions in that uh do you guys feel like you have a signature trick or if you did what would it be um, Dez is grinning. Yeah, what do you know? What do you got? I mean, there's like a ton of jokes about it. I think I made an entire career off of two tricks. <laughs> a tail press and a front invert. <laughs> like, um, and you do it awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Doing well. 
I think maybe that's more in your own head. You got a lot of tricks. Yeah, yeah that's a good. A lot to offer. <laughs> but yeah, those the ones that like you're like kind of self-aware. Like, oh, this is like I do this a lot. You know, those ones stick around. But I think to like an outside perspective, you just see like I don't know the full snowboarder that you are. That's so All nice. Right. <laughs> I agree. I agree. What, so what's nice. yours? What's yours, Coco? Yeah. Um, you know I'm a sucker for the back rodeo seven melon. Yeah, melon. I gotta switch that up though. Dude. Nobody does melon. Oh, Melon's dude, great. Melon. Keep going, melon. Great. Yeah. Melon's OG. Well, I got, I got, I guess I got my own personal goals this year to switch it up. Mm. But yeah, I do like the melon with that rotation. It just puts me on my feet every time. Like if I'm in a situation where it like makes one of us continue. Though. Oh, I need to. You know, this is like the clip, and I need to put something down. Like I'll just go for that because I know it's like high success rate you know but I really want to start stepping away from the like high success tricks in my head and just start working on some new stuff keep it fresh mm. I like yeah. that uh, you know what I think of you for a lot of times I think about your front seven melon too I feel like that's a special move for you yeah that's a that's one that just comes around to my feet like every time. You could say that that train's never late. No, that train's on time. That train's <laughs> never late. Yeah. For All sure. right, Seth, what you got? I wouldn't say I have a signature trick, but a go-to trick for sure, like front board or, you know, I would love to say my signature trick's a back lip, but I think JP owns that one. So, um, but front side seven, yeah, off a jump, you know, just like if there's a go-to, it's that. At one point I had like, Switch front fives, like I was my go-to, but I don't know, I lost it. <laughs> I got to get it back. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's a few out there that feel easier, but you know, some people like, you know, they have signature tricks. Oh, yeah. So it's cool. Yep, and then we can get into that. I think for me, I always beat the brakes off of switchback rodeo fives and uh, switchback lips. Those switchback lips and switchback sure. one. That's a sick on. one. Those ones are just literally just beat the brakes off of. So we got, uh, and then part three. I was thinking about this one. Uh, who has what snowboarder has their signature best of their signature trick? I mean, obviously, Luif back to fakey comes to mind. I thought about Torgear Bergram's switch back five to late method. Yep. Uh, Haldor's got the lobster roll, you know. Um, those are the ones that you know you can go back to back in time to like you know, origination, like Peter Line, you know, Back Radio 7 or whatever, uh, or Engelsman or whatever, you know, that's kind of Daniel up for, Frank, up for front side rodeo. Daniel Frank, frontside yeah. rodeo, yeah. But I don't know, the two ones that I think, like I really feel like the switchback five late method that, that uh, Torgear does really feels like that's like his special move, you know? Yeah. Any, you guys got any other ones? I think the teabag. I think, oh. And we can talk about Blum, we can talk about Reed. There, yeah, yeah. You know, there's Good like call. a very special category of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, explain to the listeners what that trick is. Uh, it's a frontside invert and you um, go to fakie, but it's like a um, opposite. Twist back. Yeah, pretzel. so it's like a pretzel out, I guess, but not a full pretzel. Also, another one, we try to get him on the phone, the tail block, you know? Uh, I think Scott Stevens and tail blocks. Mm. Cool. Yeah, I like the teabag move because if you do it right, like it's like you didn't do anything at all. Oh my god, it's so because you go up and you go for the frontside invert, and then somehow get your body to twist back to the same direction that you left the lip. You know, like all your momentum has to be stopped, and it's just like this quick little foot swivel that gets you right back to where you were. 
like how you took off. It's crazy. It's like an actual forward motion to actual to like rewind. Reverse. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's what wild. do they call it from the Andrecht version? Is it, is it Mandrecht? Mandrecht? Well, that's yeah. no, that's no, the one Mandrecht to is to fakey, to fakey yeah. on backside. Terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Mandrecht. <laughs> Call it the woman direct. No, there you go. No, I do have a nice man direct though. Uh. <laughs> All right, I think that covers Lance's question, and I think we were just talking about something, and I saw a question from an Instagram uh, person that I thought pertained. So we, Lance was talking about bringing up and coming people up, and this is from uh, Berkeley, but the E's are threes, but it's supposed to read. It would actually be like. B3 arc 3 L E Y, but it's anyway. So, uh, what does it take to go pro? Seth, I'm going to let you field this one because you turn people pro. Yeah. I mean, what does it take to be pro? It's a mindset. And that mindset is like turning a passion and an art form or whatever you want into your job. Like, you are a representative. You are like, it, you're you're going to work, so you got to have a, a right mindset, and then with all that, you know, you got to have all the background as far as like the reps and the skill and your own specific style and how you want to portray yourself. You got to kind of know yourself, like who you want to be, what you want to do on a snowboard. You got to have goals. You know, you got to like maybe not like oh, I got goals. I want to achieve this, but you got to know what your direction is. I think you know, especially in this day and age too. So. There's a there's a there's a million different things that you know you could kind of go down each different wormhole of like what it takes to be a pro or what does it mean to be a pro but yeah I think the mo- mostly it's just like accepting understanding like this is your job it's you know it's not always going to be fun it's not always going to be glamorous but you're going to do it and you know you're what you're doing and people paying you for it, there's an expectation or an accountability yeah. that you have to to live up. Not really live up to, but you have to, you know, succeed. Yeah. So. I have an opinion about this. Let's go. Fire it up. Let's go, Des. All right. So a couple cool things have happened in snowboarding in the last couple of years. I would say that we have made progress in diversifying um, our landscape. I think... Uh, the term pro snowboarder got a little convoluted in that progression. And I think this is controversial. I think this is, you know, an opinion from somebody who has skin in the game. I think, um, you know, brands have lost sight a little bit of what the job title of professional snowboarder entails. And, you know, for me, especially like whatever, I have an opinion about, the female side of the landscape, like for, first and foremost, you have to be good at snowboarding. You need to be a good snowboarder to uh, go pro. And I think there's a lot of entitlement right now. I think that there's a lot of confusion. Um, but also I don't think it's uh, ill meant. I, th- I think that it's um, brands trying to actually diversify the landscape and actually, um, you know, create progress and change. Um, And I think, you know, it's really important to recognize, like, we can still diversify and we can progress, um, but you don't get to, you know, hand out pro like candy. 
You know, it really devalues the work that a lot of people have put in. Um, so I, th I think that's, and that's an interesting kind of, like, that's the world that I live in, you know, it's like, I know Seth wasn't really thinking about like the gender side of it when he gave his response, but I think, you know, for any, um, individuals who, uh, don't identify as male, you know, or looking into, um, pursuing this, <clears throat> uh, career sport, whatever, like get good. And then what, what you're going to see happen after that is going to be really natural. And like what Seth touched on, you know, it's like there is a work ethic. There is a, there is a, you know, a way to present yourself. There is a vibe to have. And, um, you know, th that comes with like a bit of humility as well. Uh, but before all that, snowboard. The reps. Some of the wisest yeah. shit I've ever heard on the show. Yeah, continue. Go, what do you got, Coker? Oh, I don't really have anything. Um, that You said that perfectly, I thought. And, yeah, Seth, you touched on it too. I think you just got to snowboard and get good at what you're doing and set goals for yourself and don't take no for an answer. You know, be the squeaky wheel. Yeah. Yeah, because I think too, for yourself. being good at snowboarding for sure and it's like and being professional it's like yes there's like amazing snowboarders that aren't professional yes and then there's professionals <laughs> that aren't amazing snowboarders <laughs> so it's like you know and and it kind of it's it's all subjective and it's up to like you know who are you pro for what are you pro for why you know so then it comes it comes what? down to like brands and like yeah. all that kind of different things so there's a million different ways we could look at it but i guess i was kind of going for more like uh my textbook i guess yeah answer like what's a pro yeah you're getting this is your job yep you know i think i think there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff here you know i i do love what Dez said. I think, like, first and foremost, if you go snowboarding and everybody that's watching you's jaw is on the fucking floor, then you, you, you need to be, you need to be really good. Like, that, that's, that's key. Like, this is a skill-based sport. That's, this like, is, the first step. That's the first step. And I think, I think, you know, we're in the bubble of a lot of comparison because we're in the industry of people talking about this and that and, and things like that of, like, who's getting what and this. But, like, generally speaking, like, you, you gotta be great at what you do and then i think that you have to be cool like you, you got to be you know respected by your peers because really at the end of the day when somebody turns pro it's all of our peers being like yeah that's the person that's the person that makes sense every you need all your peers to be like that makes sense they put in the work they won all their regional contests they filmed a bunch of parts they're putting out bangers they're 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 the person right now they are ready to be pro they've gone through the motions it's not Gary did a trick on the rail. I did that same trick at my local park. I need to be pro. I should be, be pro. Because the thing that, that people don't realize is that when you're pro, you're being paid. So if I'm a brand and I pay you 40, 60, 80, 100, 20, whatever, whatever month, 200, 300, 10 grand, two grand, whatever that is, whatever that amount of money is, if I give you 20 grand, the brand needs to make 20 grand back from to just break even on their investment, right? So, like, are you also the person that like people are interested in? And there, and and that's that's a factor in my opinion too. From a, from a person that owns a, a brand standpoint, like if you want to continue to sustain a brand, you need to 
sell products. And that's why that's what your job is as a pro is that you're an influencer and you got to be good at what you do. And there's different lanes. Like you look at contest people and dude, I feel the worst for them because there's contest riders that can do triple corks in 1800s and they're better than everybody and they don't have a board sponsor. And it's, and that's, that's like the most unfair shit ever because they're in their world and it's, it's, you know, and they're scraping by, you get fifth at a, at a FIS event and you get $200 and you spent your whole life, you know, becoming the best snowboarder in the world. But for whatever reason, cause it hasn't translated to the brands because Seth, who's the Volcom team manager, isn't looking at FIS results. He's not looking, okay, I got the FIS sheet that just came in. He's just like, damn, this person's got the flavor. This person doesn't. So I don't know. That was a long-winded rant, but those are, Des, I saw you shaking your head. What you got? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that, well, once we go into like the marketing side of the conversation, you know, you brought it up where you're like, okay, a brand puts 20 grand into a rider. The brand needs to see that 20 grand in return in that investment. And I think it's like, sometimes there's loopholes and then sometimes there's like toxic things, you know, it's like we saw the influencer movement happen and the model thing, especially for women, you know, it's like you can send an influencer, a pro board and a jacket, and they're going to have 20,000 click throughs to direct sales. Does that mean they should replace me you know does that mean that they should replace like your top tier like female pro who only has 8,000 Instagram followers that person's doing the job better than the pro snowboarder well I think that's Uh, I think that's kind of like what Johan was saying a couple weeks back that's like a piece of the pie you know but your brand isn't going to be recognized in the core snowboard world without Desiree yeah, exactly. You know yeah. What I mean? So, so to jump in real quick too on that, I think like looking at the way snowboard videos have came, how snowboarding's been presented for a long time is back in the day, the only media outlets we had were magazines mm-hmm. and videos. So the only way to get media coverage was through a pro snowboarder getting a photo in a magazine or a video part or you know winning a contest. Right, that was it. Now, as the landscape has changed, where there are influencers and there are Google ad sales and there are things that help sell product that isn't just the pro snowboarder that it's it's the pro snowboarder is always the tip of the spear it's always the most important it's always the driving force however there's other little like subcategories that can also help move the needle to sell products. Yeah. And so basically what I was getting at is I truly believe it's the brand's responsibility to differentiate between the pro rider and the other ways in which they can generate income based off of their product. And I don't, and I think that's where it's like, no, like the influencer doesn't get to be a pro snowboarder. There has to be another category. And it's like in that situation though, like just speaking to that, the influencer, I would look at that as an ad. I wouldn't yeah, look at sure. that. I wouldn't look at that in the rider bucket because that influencer is wearing the Desiree kit, sure. and you can't put the like she's got to and to sell that they're going to be wearing your kit, and that person can't replace you because you're the story driving that kit. You're the the clout. You're everything. I would look at that as an, that's an ad placement. That's yeah. not a rider replacement. I, I would say, but okay, I'm a unique situation too. I'm not necessarily talking just yeah. about myself. I'm just know. talking about the brand's responsibility to still have top tier pro riders, yes. you know, male, female at the, like that is what makes your brand. And then it's the brand's responsibility to almost even help those riders become the professionals that the brands expect them to be too. Like where, as far as like, whatever you get the 20 grand, we need to see the 20 grand back. 
how does a rider know what that looks like? You know, like I think it's on the brand to make sure that the riders are set up for success, to succeed in doing that. I think to have the expectation that the riders know how to do that is uh, you're setting them up for failure, mm. maybe. Yeah. That's like where my mind went. I, w- I wasn't, I don't really know the, the, the general direction that that was, that's what, that was the point in which I wanted to make. No, where it's like eloquent point. Yeah. El- you made that point very yeah. eloquently. I love that. And, and then, yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, who the, who the brands, it, it's kind of a fucking crazy thing to think about. It's a lot. It, it, no, it, it is because like the brands are the ones who put you on. Yeah. And so like, you know, there's a lot of snowboarders that are the same ability level, but then for whatever combination of reasons, you know, 32 signs me and I'm in a poster and now I'm a, I'm on a poster on a kid's wall because a brand chose to have me be that person. Right. I didn't, I didn't end up on that wall. Like, and so the, it is the brands bolstering the people that are the right people, right that we think are right, that we think embody the culture of the sport, the core of the sport, the heartbeat of who we are to be the ones on a quote-unquote pedestal. It's it's important to us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, like to to evolve on it, it's like, yeah, it's like, so it's like the brands are in charge of creating the opportunity, creating the representation, creating the following. Like, it's on the brands to do that, but then it's on the riders to show the fuck up. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, where it's like, I think there's a lot of riders who don't take advantage of opportunities yeah. or like they don't understand the value in the opportunity and don't under just don't really understand like the thing where it's also like damn just show up like yeah. and that's going to like whatever elevate you to the level of pro that like Seth was talking about that could be I, like getting caught up in the ego a little bit too like yeah. ah, I'm fucking pro now like I don't need to do this like blah 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 you yeah. know you get a little cocky and then you know a couple years down the line that might disappear yeah yeah I mean, generally speaking, I like to look at all marketing like a story. You know, you got to tell a good story. You yep. got to have good characters and and everything else. And then at the end of the day, when you got that book or that video or whatever it is, then you got to get it out there. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's just a, it's just a bigger, bigger picture process. It isn't just one thing anymore. It's not cut and dried, and it's not a replacement. It's definitely like. You know, it's up to the it's up to the brand or whoever it is to understand that, like, yeah, we want that person because mm-hmm. this is what they bring, and they're awesome at snowboarding. They have g- great personality, so yep. yeah, tell that story. Yeah, great point, and that's the thing I think. Just thinking about contest riders, you know, you think about these riders that are just phenomenal. They they a lot of them come from a background of just like sport, essentially, right? Where it's like I'm going to do the hardest tricks possible and they're so focused on the sport that you don't have the story to buy into you don't have the like you don't you're not rooting for them like a character you know like you don't know them because you don't know them you know their tricks but we want to buy into characters like i want to know who to cheer for i need to know who to cheer for give me give me something about yourself that i'm like I fuck with this person. Yeah, give me the bad guy. Yeah, give, give me the yeah. good guy. Give, give me the, the hero. Like, running some shit over with a fucking car. Or, like be yeah. like yeah. I mean, whatever. Just be like. Well, I think that's where the video part stuff yeah. comes in because you get to see all that personality. Yeah. And like their lifestyle and what they're into, and yeah, you just get that personal connection with somebody when you're watching their video part. I think that can really like <clears throat> launch someone's career someone comes out with an amazing video part and you're like, oh, I feel like I know this person. Like they're sick. I get them. Like, here's what they're into. 
and yeah. What yeah. about Dylan Oaktree? Good point. What about Dylan? He's a shredder. Uh, Sick. I mean, like, the, I feel like there's somebody who like made video projects, has put out video parts, but just isn't really sponsored. Hmm. And it's like the level of his writing is undeniable. And like for me, like watching, and like maybe I'm biased, like maybe I'm attached, you know, like where I'm like a fan of the kid. But like that's the thing, like he's putting out like pro writing or pro pro level writing on on the feature, like in the project, packaging it all up. Doesn't have any sponsors. Yeah, I think that would be more like the brand side of things, right? No one's really aligned themselves with someone like that who's out there killing it and has this like A grade footage to back it up and has a great personality and great style. And they're just like, for some reason, aren't fitting in with someone's image of like where they want their brand to go. I mean, or it's on the person too. I do think it could be on Dylan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not Dylan, yeah. but just whatever. That's a good observations. Question. You know, sidebar, uh, Cocard, I feel like, you know, you've done a really good job of being aging like a fine wine. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, you keep yeah. getting better. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Getting, how, old you, how old are you, Cocard? I, I told you, I just 25. turned 25. You just turned 25. Okay. But yeah, you just keep. Plus 10. Yeah. But it's been awesome. Like, you never took your foot off the gas and you keep getting better and you didn't lose the drive. Like, you know, uh, how, do you keep the, how do you keep the freshness going? Uh, I do not know the answer to that. Yeah, I have no idea. I just, I'm extremely motivated, like, really motivated personally and um yeah like you said taking advantage of opportunities that are given to you like that's so important to keep your career alive and just keep the passion and like the love for what you're doing and like you know it's it's easy to get caught up in all the bullshit and like oh I did this and this and this but if you're just genu like genuinely out there like wanting to fall in love with the sport again or whatever it is, like wherever you are on your journey. Um, yeah, just keep the passion, keep it alive and don't second guess yourself. Like, you know? Yeah. The passion seems like a, that's gotta be the, yeah, that's gotta be a, and you, I mean, all of us, we're, we've been in the game for a minute. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> sitting <laughs> constant, re constant reinvention. Yeah, constant I've kind of, yeah, I, I just think about crazy stuff all day, you know, just then, but it's like constant reinvention. You know, are you burnt? Are you bored? You know, do you still want to get, do, does you, do you still have that 14 year old passion to get up in the morning, get your boots on and can't wait to get to the hill? You know, it's, it's just, that's, it's a constant, just like, you need to go, you know, you need to, you need to make yourself entertained and you need to have, you need to make yourself have fun. Cause if you're not, then you'll get burned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? I think something interesting about the four of us sitting here is each of us have, you know, paid the dues and done the snowboarding thing, but then we each invested in like an additional skill set that we were able to apply back to snowboarding culture that in a way I do think has shaped like the longevity of our careers. Um, like Seth example, like you're a team manager, you're still a pro snowboarder, but I think like you taking like the business approach and just like tacking that on, it's like all of a sudden you have long longevity, Chris, you became like this media person, you know, where it's like you tried a lot of things prior to like the bomb hole working and you like have this like very eclectic, like type of skill set. But the thing that everybody knew about you was, was you're really good at talking, you know? So all of a sudden it's like, you were able to like monetize the talking and have that become a skill set that, you know, uh, complemented 
your history as like a professional snowboarder. Like for me with the mental health stuff and the artist stuff and then mentorship and then with Cocard with music. And it's just like, even like the ways, I don't know, you're still pumping up video parts. <laughs> that shit to me, it's like, I'm like, damn. So yeah, I think we're all just in a position where we want to keep doing it for as long as possible, as long as our bodies will let us. And I think if that's where our mindsets are, then what's going to stop us, you know? Mm. Do you think kids think we're milking it? I don't know. <laughs> keyword, <laughs> keyword right there is want. Yeah. yeah. Like you got to want, you got to want to get up. You got to want to go. You got to want to keep yourself entertained. Cause like there's a lot of amazing people that have done amazing things, like far greater things than I've ever even been a part of, like in snowboarding or whatever. And then you hear, oh yeah, I'm doing whatever now. And you're just like, they just, stopped wanting to be here and yeah. for for you know myself I can only really speak for myself but it's like I just want to be here mm-hmm. whether it's however I can be here I'm an, I want to yeah. be here yeah. I want to I want to hike up to the spot and yep. and hit a rail in the woods mm-hmm. and do a basic 50-50 and it just feels so good and it's like you know what like 46 years old and still 50, 50 in rails in the woods. Like what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> or front boarding, you know? And, and it's, and, it, and I know it's so stupid and I posted and I'm like, whatever, you know, but it's like, it's still, you're just like, you're still grinding, you know, it's, that, that's amazing. It's not stupid because you think about people that we grew yeah. up with that, became quote unquote adults and like got the job and the thing and they look fucking old. They're like, you're like, dude, you're the same age. You look fucking 30. And it's like, it's like the fact that we're, think about what have you been doing since the last time I saw you when you were 15? Literally the same thing. Like nothing's changed. You still love snowboarding and it keeps you young. And, and going back to what you were saying earlier, I think about that when you're like, what, what is the de- defining factor of somebody that's going to turn pro? And I think it's the, the most important one, I think, is drive. And I think the drive, if the drive continues, like with people sitting at this table, like it'll, it's when the drive starts fading that, and, and drive can come in different ways, but the, the drive being the most important, you take a kid with every resource. We're, we're going to give you a coach. We're going to send you all over the world to summer camps. We're going to send you to schools and, and they have every opportunity to become the best. If they don't have that drive and they don't have that fucking dog in them, it ain't going to work. Inversely, it's like you take a fucking addict that has no money, that is completely fucking homeless. And, you know, to make the example to an extreme, they are going to find a way to get their fix in the same way that a snowboarder is going to find a way to get a clip, to learn a new trick, to become better. And if they're that drive, the, the drive being talent and drive rarely are paired together. And when you have that, you have a combination of that's Bodie, Bodie's talent and drive combined. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So that's like a, that's a white Buffalo type of situation. But like the drive is, is, is definitely the, the fucking meat and potatoes of the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That was a rant. I love that. I agree rant. with you. <laughs> I'm like, I agree with you. <laughs> Doesn't happen often, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. All right, let's talk about Oakley. They got their new team collection that has dropped. I've seen Sage Kotzenberg running his kit. It's fresh. It's yellow with some kind of olive green, and it hits. He's got the matching goggle. I know Stale's got his kit as well. So if you're looking for a new fresh outerwear kit, check out the Oakley team collection. And they have new innovation in their helmets. 
I run an Oakley helmet. They have the Oakley Mod 3. It's got great venting, so your goggles don't fog. Great helmet-to-goggle integration. They just pair up nicely. I run the Line Miner Pro. It pairs nicely with your helmet. So be sure to check out that Oakley Mod 3 and the new innovation that they put in that. And then they're also doing their Oakley Community Days this winter. And be sure to check their website as they announce days of when and where that's coming. It's really fun. They bring out their whole team, all kinds of heavy hitters. Last year, they had Stolly Sandback and Sage and Patty. And Yuki Kadono was there. Um, it, it, was a, it was a great squad. So be sure to check out Oakley Community Days as they announce the dates. All right, let's talk Woodward Park City. Their park is firing right now. They got some medium jumps. They got some small jumps. They got good rails. The steel is sliding well this year. Uh, they got everything from a beginner slope all the way to advance. So doesn't matter your ability level. There's something for you at Woodward. And there's always good, fun people to ride with. I just show up half the time. I don't even show up with any homies. And you end up finding the homies, which is what I love about it. They also have night riding. So if you want to ride after work, great place to check out. They also have lift tickets for $40. Beautiful thing. And if you're looking for a month-long pass, it's $119 for unlimited outdoor riding. That's cheaper than a lift ticket at many resorts. So Woodward is amazing. The tubing's fun. If you want to go on a date with somebody that doesn't snowboard, take them tubing. You guys will have a good time. And then, of course, they got the skate park, which has the parkour area, and it's got the foam pit. If you want to learn how to do back rodeos into the foam pit, you can check that out. And then you can take it to snow, like Cocard mentions in this episode. So be sure to check that out. Also, if you want to skate all winter long, they got a heated indoor skate park. So be sure to check out Woodward. It's a good place to have fun with your friends. Simple as that. You know, to kind of change gears for a second, too, I always think about, like, I'm a fan of snowboarding and... You know, like with snowboarding, like I like competitive snowboarding too. Like we always talk about the video parts, but like I want to, I want to cheer at the X Games. I want to cheer at natural selection. I want to watch, I want to celebrate half pipe contests. And, um, I I don't know. I I wish that there was like that, that had a better structure, you know, and I don't have solutions. So I don't want to shoot holes and things, but I found out like the Olympic judges make $90 a day to judge the Olympics. Bomb hole cup. We pay our judges 500 bucks a day. That's we're fucking over five X what the Olympics is paying and we're a regional event. And it's like, you know, thinking about how do we, how do we like, you know, take what we're doing and become more cohesive as a community? Cause they, I don't think they have funding. You know, you get fifth place in a world cup and you fly to China you make fucking 200 bucks, Yeah, you know? And so, um, I guess with that being said, let's talk about contests because I have uh, some recent results and I don't want to, um, I want to make sure we uh, talk about some, some of the big airs that happened recently in Halfpipe. So I'm going to run through some stuff. Uh, Edmonton, Edmonton big air. Do you guys have anything to add to that before I go into my I mean, ni- $90 yeah. for like, what, a day? $90 a day. Yeah, it's okay. not a lot of money. That seems That's really not low. a lot of money. Uh, also, like I don't know, like there could become a point in time when we start unionizing and like yeah. figure out healthcare yeah. and like evolve from just being like ten ninety nine athletes. Yeah, <laughs> like, to, to me, it's like 
you said how how to make it, and it's like to me, I just got to go back to it, and I just got to say, make it a better story. Yeah, make it yeah. a better story. Let make it something that you can follow. Make it something that matters. Make it something that like, not that it doesn't matter now, but I just make it make it a better story. Yeah, you know, like WSL does a good job for the surf tour. Natural Selection know? does a good job. Yeah, they yeah. they make, they do a great. They, they make a great story. X Games, you X know, X Games does a great job. And going back to like Fist, you know, and I know there's good people working over there. Like the judges are fucking love snowboarding and they get paid $90 a day and they get shit on all day long by dickheads like me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, there's people that care, but at the end of the day, when they do an event, like I was like, all right, I'm going to talk about, I want to make sure we shed light on some contest snowboarding. So I go on YouTube, I type in like, you know, Beijing, big air Edmonton. And it says like race results, fist race results. I'm like, this isn't a fucking race. This is a, this is a big air contest. There's right. no, nobody's racing. Like this is, but it's like, again, being run by ski racers. It's like we as snowboarders are governed by a governing body of fucking old ski racers. And so that's where. The fact that you were able to find those results. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. That's amazing. No, it, it should be a general thing where it's like, this is another like, you know, space for opportunity like we should have new contests we should have evolved things with people in our community running what's going on instead of relying on outdated like dinosaur <laughs> like approaches to uh for, for to, to like highlight our sport our activity like the things that nobody in our community can really align with and these people who are like out there grinding getting the points and like trying to present as a part of the culture in a different world, like in a different galaxy. It's like this thing where it's like, oh my God, at what point do we actually just like take it back? And it's like contest snowboarding is cool. It's sick. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. The ways in which it's presented right now is doing our culture a complete yeah. unjust. Like it, it, it's just, it's, it's bad. So it's like at what point is some, and, and like once again, like natural selection, super cool yeah. adjustment uh, and also community events, still great things. But like on the bigger scales, like at what point is somebody just going to be like, all right, cool. Let's actually fix this. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's a thing and, waiting to happen. And the best, the best coverage I saw when I was looking for all these events, the best coverage that I found was the riders that make vlogs. Like, yeah. like Darcy Sharp went to Edmonton. He made a vlog about the whole thing. I'm like, I'm getting behind-the-scenes footage. I'm getting people strapping in. I'm getting practice. I'm getting bails. I'm getting personality. I watch Mark Mick's vlog. I'm getting personality. I'm getting bails. I actually kind of, like, get a feel for what's happening. Otherwise, you just see, like, people just chucking off of a jump, like, land. You're like, holy fuck, what was that? That was yeah. insane. But, like... Again, we need to know the story. So uh, we'll start with the Beijing Big Air that happened. Uh, that was December 2nd, first contest of the year. Uh, Su Yuming dominated 184. I didn't watch that one. I don't know who he did. Uh, Ryoma Kimata got second, and Kira Kimura got third. And then uh, for women's Big Air, Anna Gasser got first. Tess Cody got second. And Mayaba Anatasu, I butchered that, uh, yeah, got third. Yeah, Miyambi, Miyambi. Okay, thank you for correcting me on that. Um, so that one I didn't really see, but I watched the Edmonton kind of recap. That that one was wild. So uh, we can start with women's big air. Zoe, monumental. She did a switch back 12 nose grab, which would switch tail grab or regular nose grab. And like she does it like a switch back nine and then dumps the last one like fully inverted 
And it's just fucking gangster. And then a back 10. So I like that one too because she spun two different directions, which I think should be rewarded more because a lot of people are spinning cab and backside, which hold on her can of worms. Won't get into that. Mia Brooks uh, got second. She's been dominating. And then Anna Gasser got third. So Anna's got a first and a third in the first two big airs. And then um, Taiga Hasegawa uh, crushed. I think he did 18s. Bo- he did three 18s and landed all of them. It was in that kid is psychotic. I think he's only. He's young. He's like got to be 17 or 18. Su Ming got second and Red Gerard uh, got third. So that, that Edmonton Big Air, check out Darcy Sharp's vlog if you want good coverage of that. And then Copper had a, a Grand Prix Big Air and Half Pipe. Uh, so for Men's Big Air, Hirioka, uh, Hiro Aki Kanutaki. I'm sorry I said your name so poorly. Got first. Uh, Sam Vermont got second, and Red Gerard got third. And then women's big air, Kokomo Marasi, monumental. She did a cab 12, I believe, I'm pretty sure, and a back 14, and the cab 12, she oh. stomped like she took Tylenol PM and, like, <sighs> a tranquilizer dart to the neck and just had Stoilando beans. It was just <laughs> Stoy- Stoy- she Lando had straight beans. Stoilando beans. It was really fun to watch. Uh, Mary... Fukada got second, and then Mia Brooks got third. Mia's been on a tear. And then for halfpipe, Ayumu got first. Um, Sean Lee got second. And third goes went to Yuto. Uh, and then Scotty James fell, but uh, which was rare. So he got eighth, I think. Or I don't know if he fell, but he got eighth. So I'm guessing I'm guessing he fell. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Seems like if Scotty James lands, lands a run, he's in the top three. Yeah, he probably fell. But again, it's such a fucking nightmare to find footage of these contests that I can't, I'm, I'm trying, I have a media company and we're trying to like cover this <laughs> and I like don't even know how to fucking find it. <laughs> it's, a night, it's a nightmare. And women's half pipe, uh, I'm going to butcher these names. So uh, first, um, Gian Choi and Mitsuki Ono got second and then Maddie Mastro got third. So that's, uh, that's the contest scene. I wanted to run through some quick results and uh, but there's some monumental stuff that's happened so far this year, like that Kokomo uh, Cab 12 back 14. If I got that wrong, I'm sorry, but I think that's what it was. <laughs> I, I love watching the women's contest scene right now. It is so inspiring and just insane. Yeah, like the the guy stuff, obviously fucking crazy. And yeah, I like you get past like 16 something. I'm a little bit lost, and I just like don't really appreciate it that much. I mean, I can appreciate it, but yeah, not really my thing. But the girls, they're doing like these like cab 12s, like Mia Brooks, like you said, like she did this cab 10 the other day that was just absolutely mind-blowing. And I think I'm like starting to lean more towards like what the girls are doing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just it, it, they're, they're doing big tricks, gnarly stuff, but it's not enough spins where there's like, like there's still style. There's still a lot of style in what they're doing. And, yeah, I'm just, like, a huge fan. It's such a cool point in time because this is historically, like, for somebody like me or, like, I know a couple of my peers who, like, like, whatever, we came up in the generation of, like, the men forever were just talking shit on the girls' contest runs. And, like, it was, like, there. there's so much discourse about the Olympics and the ways that, like, it's like, oh, I can't believe this person's pro. Like, so many dudes on the couch are like, I could fucking do this, you know? And, like, there was such a shitty narrative surrounding it. And now we're, like, in this time where it's, like, 
mind-blowing writing. And it's like it's like more interesting from the girls' side. And it's like cool. Like we we watched it happen. Like we watched snowboarding progress over the last 12 years. And and you see the results. It's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Uh, couldn't agree more. All right. Uh, let's see if Steven's texting me back. Oh, Scotty texting me. Okay, what's he saying here? Uh, shit, just seeing this now. Are we still on? All right, let's give Scott Stevens a call. Uh, this, could be, this could be a train wreck. Straight to voicemail. Oh, I got straight to voicemail. Person you're trying to reach. Wow, okay. Let's try that one again. See if Sleepy Stevens going to answer. I'm sorry, man. I love you there? Um, do not disturb. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your voice sounds Yo, like a... It's probably on your mixer. Let's, to, uh, he sounded like the... Yeah, you got a dart in your neck. <laughs> You're crazy, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a dart in the neck. <laughs> Yo, dude. It's still dude, like a there he is. No, I think that's right. Yeah. You there? Yo, what's up, Chris? Dude, no, it's still weird. Your voice. <laughs> I think you just woke up. Dude, your voice sounds crazy, dude. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Scott, you been uh, lifting weights? Like, what's going on? You just you sound like super buff. <laughs> Beefcake. No, I don't know. I mean... I've uh, been carrying a lot of others, but uh, is it better now? Let me call you on FaceTime audio. Oh, that would be so bad. <laughs> All right, we're calling Scott Stevens. Hello? There you are. You sound great now. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? I sounded Dude, like sounded prior. Like you've been like taking steroids and just like, uh, it was, your voice was like, Hey, what's up? It's Scott. It no, it sounded like the dart in the neck from the fucking yeah. movie that you yeah, guys you quote did. all the time. You were tranquilizer dart in the neck, Will Ferrell. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to place these voices I'm hearing, but I almost had it. Um, okay, Stevens. Well, let's talk about. <laughs> let, let's, let's let's talk. Good luck. I'm getting right into it. We're gonna get right into it. So, so we're going to go, uh, let's talk about the tail block that you did in Mammoth. Uh, you got in there, you just augured that tail. There's not much to talk about. There is, no, there, there is, there is a lot to talk okay. about. You got in there, you augured your tail and you yoinked method and, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a thing of beauty. You're on a stiff board. Uh, I have a question for you. Is it, it's not that stiff. Is yeah, it the year, ahead. is it the year of the tail block? Is it, are they coming well, back? Well, I mean, you know, it's just like a no comply for me or, or like some eighties tricks. They, they don't leave, you know, it's just like, if you're, if you're passionate about something, you, you, you stick with it if you like doing it. So it never, tail block never left for me, but, um, but I, there's still so much to do with it, you know? So I, and then Bertner and I were saying that, you know, just with a little bit of the low snow year, it could be the, the year of the jib, you know? Mm, that was a take that we had. Uh, I can't take credit for Did that. He, that was a Catfish Chronicles. Uh, Chaz, Chaz came up. He he asked, oh. "Is it the year of the tail block?" And I said, "I'm going to do some oh. digging into this because, like you said, low snow year. If there's no powder to be had and you don't have much terrain to ride, all you need is a little bank and you can block some tail." Yeah, I remember um, Chaz blocking way back in High Cascade days with the um, the Otterstrom Rising Sun Academy board. I remember that. Or maybe I'm tripping. Maybe we were on those, but I remember doing tail blocks with him. He's good at them. Well, I was curious, Scott, uh, what are your, if you had to go 
what's the fucking thing called with all the people's faces in it? Uh, and the big oh, Mount Rushmore. If you're to do a Mount Rushmore, <laughs> Mount Rushmore tail blocks. What do you got? I need. I need to okay. know. Okay. Well, yeah, you you're putting me on the spot here, but um, I think uh, so. I'm hoping you talk to Pat Bridges, right? The block uh, father. Yeah? No, I haven't. Um, I, call, I just called okay. You. Well, well, you know. I think you have to put Kurt Heine on there because of the one in um, Hard Hungry or is it in um, Up in the Annie? I think it's Hard Hungry. That would have been maybe one of the first ones ever done, you know, and it was on the, the coping of uh, Mount Hood, Timberline Pipe. So that's, that one would, Kurt Heine would have to be on there, you know, he's the OG. Okay, I have a public service announcement because um, I, re- I recall a photo of Todd Richards in 88 doing a uh, tail block on a Sims board. And uh, that would be before um, Kurtz. Uh, so yeah, I asked Todd about it and he said they called them chopsticks. He said they used to do them in the lift line um, at Gunstock. And I thought that was amazing. Basically that Todd has never claimed that he's the creator of this trick and I had to basically force it out of him. But uh, yeah, so Todd Richards, and then he said that um, he saw it next, done by Matt Cummings, and he did a blunt one with a mute, and then, um, yeah, so these are all, like, prior to 1993, which, you know, it's light years ahead when you think about, like, you know, snowboarding's age and, like, the freestyle tricks that were getting done, but uh, yeah, obviously just origins are in skateboarding, but I, when you do it on a snowboard, it's you know, I've claimed it's an NBD, you know, bringing something from there. But anyhow, that's my public service announcement. With all that being said, I'm going to update my Mount Rushmore <clears throat> to Todd, Matt Cummings, Kurt Heine. And um, I'd love to see Lucas's face up there because he is one of the best at tail blocks. So, um, yeah, Lagoon. So that's my new Mount Rushmore of tail blocks. And then... Um... Um, there's a movie called Far East, I think it's called, um, RJ Films. It's like an East Coast. Um, my parents bought it for me when I was really young. But uh, there's a dude in there. I can't place his name right now. He does a real epic one, but he's not He's not on there. Uh, he, I mean, he, he should mention. be on there. But that a, that's an honorable <laughs> mention. I can't remember his name, to be completely honest. But um, I've seen Forrest Bailey do some crazy ones, dude, just like so casually. I, I, like there's some that I've seen him do that he's never filmed that I just saw him do from a distance. And I was like, oh shit, I've never seen that ever. But uh, Forrest Bailey would probably be on there. Um, um, me and Beresford learned them together when they kind of made their um, comeback in the early um, 2000s. So um, Beresford would be on there for me. And then a fourth one. Um, just because I think this trick was so legendary when he did it, I'm really like doing these off a whim right now would be Ben Bilodeau because he did that, um, that block and then he flipped out of it and he was the first one to ever like, um, to my knowledge, try that. And that was just so crazy to like pair those two tricks, you know, like 10 years ago or whatever. So that, that's a quick one. <laughs> and, and then bridge bridges like oversees it all, you know, mm-hmm. great. <laughs> what, about, uh, what about Gunnar? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucas, Lucas, um, Lucas is right on there too. I, I just put those guys because, um, because I, I, I like when I watch some of those guys do it, I'm like, oh shit, I don't think I can do those ones, you know. <laughs> like, 
Well, Heine's on there because he's... Is this Dez? Was that Dez's voice? Oh, yeah. You got Dez, Cocard, okay. Seth Hewitt, and of course, Silk D here as well. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, that's a, that's a squad. What's up, dudes? Hey, and Scott. What up? Ladies? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm just uh, I'm chatting away over here. Well, what do you guys think? I mean, I, uh, I'm probably forgetting some people. Seth, you could probably help me out with the origin of the tail block. I think I, it's Heine. I can't. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm no steel. help. He was staying on the steel. You know what comes to mind is uh, I seen Jed Sky do some crazy ones mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah, Jed is um, Jed is like I mean uh, the only reason I didn't bring him up he would be in the, my top ten for sure. The only reason is just because I like I'm like big on like chronological order. You know, like uh, like you know anybody that predates me, I will never rise above. <laughs> I, I, Respect. I mean- I, yeah, that's insane. Uh, I think the conversation got started because of the tail block that you filmed in Mammoth, though. I think a couple people have all agreed, and you know, maybe you should put like it in the uh, video here, but it's like it's definitely probably the best tail block ever filmed in the history of tail <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm honored by that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, I got to give a lot of credit to Jeff Height because like he will let me do these things that like, you know, they, that like um, could go absolutely nowhere, and he'll he'll persevere with me till like one like kind of magic one happens. But but Des, I was having fun doing it on that bank with you. That was really fun. I mean, we got to get creative, oh, you know. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I wanna I wanna just because we're on the topic. I um, Jed's guy is definitely on there. He's done a lot that I had never seen. But um, you know, I gotta give some a shout out to Casey Mitchell because he's very pa- passionate about. Um, about blocks and we actually um we actually call that spot up at hood we call it fort casey the like the watershed thing and then um and then i also wanted to there was one other person that i was like really wanted to talk about oh uh renee because he's oh yeah good call he's, he's um he's like i mean he's done some unfathomable ones you know and then and Bodie did the Billado flip too. And then um, what was that other guy's name? Um, was it Xander? Um, yes. Yeah. He's Xander. The yeah, black one. Yeah. 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 I mean, and then you know, like you can never not count Bodie in one of these polls. I mean, yeah. he's obviously taken it to we call it a Bodie level. You know, when it kind of like he's he's so good at taking things so far that like um like it's like Frank Borg. You know, like. It's like, okay, yeah, we'll watch them. Um, it's kind of like when you watch those those guys ride, they they do snowboarding such a, a service to take it as far as it can be pushed. And then, you know, it's like, I'm getting off topic here. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I think is interesting, though? Because you, you think about, like, I think about us riding back east, Mount Snow, and it's not like we're going full speed down to the park it's like every undulation in the snow we're whipping a front flip or a back three or a back one and oh there's a little bank let's do a tail block and it's like you work your way down the mountain slowly and you you hit everything at a slow speed but you everybody gets some on things that aren't even to the untrained eye a a thing a spot a thing thing to snowboard on so i feel like the the smaller east coast midwest uh, roots, I think, lend themselves like that style of snowboarding to the tail block. Uh, I am going to say that, I, that happens on the West Coast yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> this is not just an East Coast we're, thing. We're, we're so pr- we're so prideful, you know. But <laughs> agree, agree to disagree. But yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, I want to I want to credit 
like for what Chris is talking about, I want to credit Bridges because um, Bridges really brought it back for me. I saw him in Flood mid 2000s, and that's when Beresford and me and Ross Phillips, who Ross Phillips is incredible at tail blocks too, um, uh, like really, you know, like, you know, you just get carried away with these. And, and then the whole thing thing girl was running with, and we were running with, like, um, everybody was, uh, they were, we were just loving the little, the little moves like that, you know. Whatever. Yeah. Building blocks. And there's been a lot of evolution where you have, you know, Bridges has the shake the baby where you you <laughs> pop into the tail block, you shake your nose violently back and forth. You know, there's been crail blocks and blunt blocks and different types of blocks. But the old trusty, like the, the reason why we're talking about the one you did uh, when we were in Mammoth is because when you get in that thing and you're 12 o'clock, boys, and you're just, <laughs> you're just statue of gibberty for fucking you know, longer than a second or two and you're just in it. Like it's the, when you get in that apex and you get to a long block, like that's the pinnacle. It's not, it's not always about progression. It's about length. It's about girth, yeah. if you will. <laughs> length and girth I are different. I appreciate that, dude. I, I'm going to, I'm going to just take that. Uh, I would take that, Chris. I, I appreciate that, man. You know, cause that was a, that was a fun moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> But um, while we're on the or go go because I I had one nothing. more thing that I want. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna shoot just because like you know I paid attention for so long for when this got done when that got done. But I remember um, speaking of Gunner, me and Gunner were at Bear for a VG shoot and he did like the double the double pogo block on like the shed, and that was the first time I'd ever really seen that done on in like a feature, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just I just love I just love thinking back. to to um like with the um the one billadoo did like these are like huge moments for that trick you know where the trick evolves like crazy you know and then um what did Bo- I think Bodie did it on block flipped on um that like um that crab grab board he made right <laughs> or whatever the yeah. one that he brought in the background yeah mm-hmm. and um and then like you know I really love that Beresford one from Hood where he just got locked into the pipe and was scraping down it you know yeah. Mm-hmm. Pat Moore's got a mean block. Oh, yeah, oh, Pat Moore. Yeah, Pat. Yeah, Pat was in... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, dude, you guys... I've just been freaking ch- talking your ear off, so you guys throw some at me. Pat Moore, for sure. Well, that's why we Idiot. called you, Scott. We wanted to hear... We wanted to hear. <laughs> I know. We didn't call you to I not, know. I not just, have you talk. <laughs> I know. I just get... It's just like I, you can't shut me up once I start... Well, it's fun to talk tail what? blocks. You know, we uh, we had a little. I think we're going to see an uptick in blocks. I, I'm looking. If we're, if we're doing a bit of a forecast this year, um, my prediction. You know, my far- farmer's almanac trick prediction: uh, uptick in blocks. That's that's where we got I a block pop. Block, yeah, block stock. The yeah. block stock oh, is going dude. up. Blocks, invest in the block right now. Block let stock. me th- let me throw another one at you that like I never. I I think I got from him, but dude, even just a simple like 15 years ago you know, whatever, like, it's funny how, like, new some of these tricks are, you know, but, like, Scotty Arnold's the first one I ever seen do a back 180 tail block oh, on a bank. Mm-hmm. That is it, very how, challenging. But but it's it's funny because, like, like, these tricks are so commonplace now, but, like, I, I mean, I feel like I remember when they got done, you know? <laughs> so, cool stuff. Cool. <laughs> Amazing, um, Stevens. We'll, we'll let you get back to... Uh, uh, dad duty, but uh, yeah, th- thanks for good, chatting good blocks talking. with us. Always, always a pleasure. Yeah, Seth, nice, nice job on the Vulcan video too. That was awesome. Cocard Brown video was uh, my my favorite. 
Thanks, brother. Unbelievable. Skyler, definitely. And, uh, yeah, it was so sick, dude. It was torture. That guy is like, he's something, dude. <laughs> but anyhow, I can talk. I, yeah, I'll, you can let me go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Love you, Scott. Well, Thanks, Scott. Good talking. Yeah. Love you guys, too. We'll talk to All you right. soon, brother. All right, later, guys. All right. That was great. That was great. Glad he called in. Even though he's dodging us all day. <laughs> Made up for it. Totally <laughs> redeemed himself. Yeah. Yeah, the shake the baby. We're going to see an uptick in blocks. Oh, I got a good question. This is good. This is good segue. I got a good segue coming, coming your way. Uh, this is from Big Air Jer. Street trick trend forecast. We got any trend forecasting here? Uh, are we, we going to see any upticks in anything? Uh, you know, 24 season. You guys think things are going to be going in a, in a direction? No idea. Kind of out of the game a little bit with the street forecasting. Mm. I don't know what's cool these days. Des, I Des feel knows. like it's the, a lot of people are talking about the art of like finding the spot, mm. you know, and like I, I've noticed that conversation happening pretty whatever recently and I, I think it's we're just going to continue to see that we're going to see the continue of the evolution of like what is a spot what makes a spot and then I think um, you know a really big thing is like photographing the spot you know mm. having uh, the photos of these like iconic spots like that's I mean <coughs> I, whatever I just think that's something that has to go hand in hand with it um, but I, I, yeah I think it's I think it's just you know, the creatives finding these, like, crazy fucking things. Fuck Forrest Bailey's part, man. Yeah. Like, amazing. that is pretty fucking crazy. Um, that ain't just spots, though. He's he's doing tech-ass tricks. Oh, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That's, like, that's, delivery. That's, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's delivery on some fucked-up spots. Yeah. And it's, like... I think the tech level on heavy yeah. spots is going to go up. I, uh, that, that's what I hope to see. That's what I hope to see. But what I see a lot of is I see a lot of spot boarding where people are like I'm gonna do it I'm looking for the spot I'm driving around I'm just looking for spots and like when you watch a video and somebody's like damn sick spot I'm like what about the trick like it, it should be I, I'm I'm like old school I think from Scott and Cocart I think you have this as well and Bodie like they're they've been infectious in the way that it's like the trick the trick is you know you look at what Scott Snowboard's on. It's a pile of shit. Yeah. It's, it's, a fucking, it's a bench behind a school that's like he's hitting with a drop-in ramp. Like it's like the worst spot you've ever seen. But like the trick is incredible. And so I, I would actually like to see it going more towards trick progression. And when those things merge and you have a Forrest Bailey type of deal yeah. or a Tommy gives me a great trick yeah. on a beautiful spot. But some of those things are just like people are just like a ride on. I don't like the ride on shit. Like call me old fashioned. Call me an old head. Like when people like they just like drop in on a ledge and right. ride down it. I'm like in my day that wasn't a shot. Like you had to you had to like jump on the ledge like it's a fucking ledge. You had to ride into it. You to, yeah, yeah. Like it's. You, you said something in Mammoth that has like stuck with me. And I do think I'm a culprit of this too, where you were like, the worst thing that you could maybe hear while someone's watching like your video part or like for the person who's the snowboarder, the worst thing they could hear is, oh, six spot. Instead of like, you're like, I don't know how yeah. you worded it, but instead of talking about what they did on the spot, the conversation is, only about the spot. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, fuck. I think the worst thing you can hear is he had a cool song. <laughs> 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 like that was a sick song. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Trick for I. I mean, I like. I like tricks. I think tri- I'd, I'd like to see it go more towards. I'm, we just went and did a real snow thing, where I flew and reviewed all the real snows, and I was just like, in 2012, like breezy and Luif and the shit that they were doing was like gnarly and tech, like tech gnar and Luif's specifically beautiful spots. Like you can merge. There's there's a merger of all these things. You can do hard tricks on cool spots. It doesn't have to be cool spot. No, man, I just got to keep it simple. I just, I just want to, I just, no, I think like, less is more. No, less isn't more. Like, yeah, I don't agree with you. No, 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 like, <laughs> I fully do not agree with you. No. That's a cop out. Less is more. Is, I mean, you can, you can do, there is, there is a time and a place for less is more. But when like you're on the come up, like I'll say this, Kuzik has earned his right to less is more because Kuzik can fucking hard way cab to the rail and then, but he's going to hit a spot and it's going to be beautiful. And his style and his, he's so refined that it looks amazing. But when you're not refined and you're like, no, less is more. No, less is more because you suck. Like it's, like, <laughs> it's not, it's not like do the hard trick. I don't know. Look at like a cost lemons, you know, it's like, yeah, he's, come incredible. On. But he's incredible. I don't know. He's incredible, he's but incredible. he's not like, he's not a Kuzik. He's not yeah. a Luif. He's like, you know, current generation, less is more. Fuck. It's beautiful. Yeah. But another thing about Koss, though, he he uses the winch. If you look at Koss, Koss, if he, you don't see it, but he's hauling ass at all these spots. Oh, my God, it's insane. And so if you yeah. think about this, everybody went away from the winch. It's all about natural speed. It's all about natural speed. And people are fucking, well, like, it's like, well, you're just not going to be able to hit cool shit if, you, if you're only hitting natural speed. Whereas you look at Koss, he's hitting a winch. He's fucking hauling ass into the spot. You look back in the day, 20... 12 real snows people are hauling winches around and they're they're hitting huge shit and like and i think that the the only natural speed works for some people but it's it's not making for a better clip that's for sure you're not I have a big opinion about this too. Okay. These homies who are like I'm pure organic natural speed only. Yes. It's because you are privileged enough to have the resources to go all over the world to find places to film at that have hills. There's a lot of us who can't do that. And so it's like, yeah, you need a winch or you need a bungee or you need a big ass drop and ramp or you need your homies to homie tow you in it. This like newfound thing of like, oh, the spot doesn't count if it's not natural speed. Fuck you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Whatever up. it takes. Yeah. Whatever it takes. <laughs> that's my prediction actually for street forecast is more homie towings. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. The no buddy no sling, lips. The buddy sling's coming back. No lips. Mm, yeah. I like buddy sling. No lip is a good it's, it's a, a good combo. It's a, but the, again, again, you think about it. The buddy sling, no lip. You put up a boardy. The fucking winch, forty <laughs> feet back, and you're yeah. cruising in, yeah, bro. Yeah. You're front two in that thing. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So what yeah. do you want to see? A front two, or do you want to see a a board slide getting on, fucking going one mile an hour, fucking just trying to survive? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I want to see. I want to see the buddy sling, no lip, and imported snow. Yes. all that's coming back. You, ooh, you know what? That would be. We amazing. tried to do that in the video, but then Scott showed up with the motorcycle and started towing people in with oh, the okay, motorcycle. Yeah, that was sick. <laughs> that, <worked. laughs> that was sick. That was great. Yeah, great that, that session was insane. That's dope. I mean, yeah, or like we'll see more of the no snow spots. <laughs> Very low snow. I hate that trend, but I'm yeah. always like, oh, you're super confident. Good for you. <laughs> what's, what's worse, like no snow or like giant reverse cheese wedge landing? Giant reverse cheese wedge. <sighs> Clips a clip. Yeah, I think it depends yeah. on like what you're going for. Like if it's like a huge gap, like you're gonna need some sort of landing, like a street gap or whatever. Yeah. 
You had to put one of those up. Like, like totally get it. But whatever yeah. it takes. Yeah. yeah. You know, whatever the, it takes. But the thing is with the reverse cheese wedge landing, it's it's like you can have a landing and you can kind of round it to where it's like it's a bump and it and it just looks like a little bit more like a mound of snow. But when people start cutting the edges down where it's like it's a square <laughs> edge Trim deal and all of a sudden it looks like there's a, a, a snow cat came through and bladed that fucker. It ain't helping. It ain't doing anybody any favors. That comes down to aesthetic. Aesthetic. What's yeah. your aesthetic vibe? How do you how do you picture the clip in your head? What do you want it to look like? Yeah. But so, whatever it takes at the end. But I also think a lot of people don't think about that, you know. And, it, and it's like if you did think about that, that that is what elevates you to the next level too, you know. Where it's like there's a lot of these writers where it's like, you know, not cleaning up the stairs. Like definitely put snow on the stairs, but make it look good, you know. Pat it down, make the make the back of the stairs show up, you know, with the landings, round them out, let the landing look a little bit smaller. That way, when you get that photo or when you get that footage, the focus is on the rider, not on critiquing the environment around the spot. Like that's that's the experience, and that's how you like whatever present it. In that a is kind of way. that is kind of funny to think about, though. Like that's what you know the attention is going to be on, like this, like how the landing looks, but not the freaking like front five that you did out of the freaking giant tube with like the thirty plus foot drop. You know, people complain about some crazy shit. It's, that's wild. <laughs> I mean, what takes your? It's aesthetics again. Yeah. It's yeah. like what takes your attention, and you know, if you notice the landing and not what the person did, something's wrong. Yeah. You look at Lewif, aesthetics. All his video parts are perfect for what he does, and and he probably has that vision going into the builds. You know, because totally. there's there's crazy builds. You know, I'll I'll catch little things out of the side of. The, the clip where like someone ramped a bunch of snow up on this pole because they didn't want to hit that rock or yeah. this. And they they their vision goes back to the aesthetics to where it's like, this is what I want it to look like. I'm going to do the safety precautions, but I'm not going to let that take away from the end result and the creation in the clip. So Totally. I do also think that, that that realm is something that, you know, photographers and filmers help a lot in. And that and that honestly should be a role that the film and photographers take on to alleviate some of the responsibility from the writers while the writers are just trying to fucking clip up. Like yeah. it's kinda of like one like team group experience, team yeah. support, you know? Sometimes you need a massive landing or a massive lip get that aesthetic angle that hides it yep. or yeah. doesn't doesn't put the focus on that. You throw know? a palette in it. But exactly. it, there have been times where it's like, fuck it, throw the trash can in yeah. the shot, it hides the lip. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, you need the lip to get the shot. Yeah. It's something that you want to get. You got to work around that. Yeah. You got to figure out those navigations to Smoke make it mirrors. look good. And it's like, you know, snubbers are haters. Like, <laughs> guilty uh, as charged. And, and I'm work, I, I'm trying to be more open-minded, but it's... <laughs> It's an unlearning process, okay? And, like, I think at our, at our core, what keeps us in kind of cool or what we think is cool is that we're critical about things being a certain way and that keeps it, it, keeps it a thing that, you know, fucking is cool. I don't know if that's yeah, what that no, shitty. that makes sense. Like you got to be kind of critical, but you don't want to be paralyzed by it because there's there are a lot of people that are like, I'm going to do the industry approved trick, and all none of my friends will make fun of me if I do this trick on this spot. <laughs> Nobody can make fun of me because it's cool. And but then it's like you don't want to go too far in that because then then you lose yourself. You're just trying to fit in. Whereas like Rav, 
is the opposite. So there, there is a. I'm, I'm just fucking contradicting myself, really. So <laughs> yeah, that was quite the contradiction. Because yeah, I, I was going to be like, "What about Rav?" Yeah, I'm, just, I'm <laughs> glad you did it to yourself. I'm just, <laughs> you're spitballing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah right. it's a free flow. I don't here. even know That's what the fuck flow. we're talking. I, about. I, I do think that. Clint <laughs> 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 a bagel man. I do think that without opinions, none of us would be in the situations we are. And the same goes for like most of our peers in this landscape, like without opinions, without drive, without all the things, like it wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. You want to keep it core. You want to like keep it tasteful with how we view that word tasteful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But really at the end of the day, it's just fucking snowboarding. Playing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. It's such a fucking it's so joke. Awesome. We go into I love it. Stoic philosophy <laughs> about sliding down the hill on a piece of fucking wood that's basically sledding, but like standing up. It's just amazing. Everyone cares so much. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what it's all. That's yeah. what that's it's all point. about. Right. Because you see so many people, they just don't care. Right? Yeah. And, you know, that's what it comes down to. Everyone just cares. Yeah. So. Mm. All right, so we're past Dez's birthday party extravaganza. We're an hour past. Um, this is like a Sean White situation. Sean was like, we, I got to get out of the booth. We're just dragging it on. But uh, <laughs> similar. For, this is very similar. Okay, Benny Pellegrino asks, let's hear a little banter about the subject of TBH roadie. I don't know what that means, to be honest. To the, bom- the bombhole roadie. The bombhole rider of the year. Okay, so Dez, who you got for the ladies? Brennan, who you got for the bros? Seth, let's cure it. Kill, hear who killed it the most for the old heads Christopher, not my name, it's Christian who you got for employee of the year at Bombhole wow, that's the last one's the most hard hitting uh, Des looks like <laughs> you got the floor uh, Zoe you want to elaborate? no contest she did a lot of contests <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, yeah, but with this contest I don't think that there's like a debate over uh, her year am I wrong? no, you're not wrong, not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Zoe was yeah, yeah phenomenal. I'm, I'm with you. Phenomenal. Yeah. Lights out. Yeah. They're, they're, lights but out. also, granted, like this year, yeah. like once again, we're seeing incredible progression on the uh, non-male identifying side of things, and it's like incredible real footage coming out, incredible contest writing coming out. Uh, I think the formula is once you're able to put most of things together, and that's what Zoe is managing to do, you know. And it's it's profound, and that's what writer of the year should be. It should be who is uh, the most profound. Mm, I like that. Love take. that. All right, Coker, floor is yours. Um, for the men? Yes. Wow. So, there's That's lots hard to choose. This That's year. super hard. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go with my gut on this one and say uh, my brother, Nick Baden, he was out there crushing it. I was by his side most of the year, and I was hands down just like blown away every day we rode together. His eye for what he wanted to do and then his ability to just fucking do it like and seeing the work that he put in like yeah that's my pick like it oh i'm sweating bullets i don't even know (laughs) it's so hard i i I haven't really even asked myself this question so i don't know (laughs) i (laughs) seriously don't know i mean like and i'm a bit like I don't know, not really bi- I guess maybe biased for sure. You're definitely biased. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Definitely. I mean, is it opinion or is it like, f- are we trying to spit facts? Just go with your gut. Yeah, I don't know. 
I, I seriously don't heart. know. I, I think Torgier had an incredible year, you know, just like watching his transformation from going contest riding into the backcountry and what he put down. I've literally watched that video. Like, I'm a huge Torgier fan anyways, but um, and he's our team rider, and it's like so proud of him just to watch that go down. So, But, like, when I look at, like, what was rider of the year, you know, and and – you know, there's so many different things. Like, is it ATV of the year? Is it contests and video parts mixed? Is it street? And like, there's the, the, it's just so broad. That's why I'm sweating bullets and I don't have an answer. So, I mean, I'm, I'll go with my biased answer and I'll give it to tour gear for sure. Respect that answer. Nice. So. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the two names that are also in contention that are not mentioned, you got, um, you know, Jed Anderson and her ride video. I think he, he would get it. He, it would be it would be obvious if if he hit more jumps. I think if he had done like a front nine on a on fucking if he went to Pyramid Gap and like did a front nine or something or whatever I, that's a random trick. But like if he did you know put his flag in the ground for, for some backcountry bangers to yeah. round it out, I think it would be no contest. But who I think's actually going to win it, you know, for Rider of the Year would be Travis uh, with the you know his footage that he put out in his video part and and then like natural selection and kind of everything i think that that he'll be the one to take it and that line where that that three trick line that was just ridiculous you know so yeah um that's my take on that and then what the question that uh benny pellegrino had for you was who killed it the most for the old head seth who's old head writer of the year <laughs> <laughs> Who's old head rider of the year? Who and your got- your name's in this hat. No way. I uh, who did anybody put anything out? Mikey got a cover. Oh, oh, come Mikey. on, oh, God. <laughs> I LeBlanc. And, you know his his unused footage from Brighton when yep. he did the rock wall ride drop in. I'm like, why? Why? You know, I mean, it's amazing. It ends up in Blake's video. I'm like, where does this not do it? But yeah, yeah. definitely Mikey. Sorry, I spaced that. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna throw a curveball at you guys. Otterstrom? Wow. Oh, always Chad though. Otterstrom? Insane. He's kind of, uh, yeah, he, did, he didn't, I mean, he's an old head, but he's he never stopped. He never so. stopped. Yeah. He never I slowed down. If Chad yeah, lived in kinda... Salt Lake, like, <laughs> I think it'd be like a different combo, yeah. you know? Like people, like everybody would Somebody's got to defend Colorado's, you know, honor. He likes Colorado. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong, a couple things wrong with Colorado, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like, all of our conversations are like in the bubble. Yes. Like a lot of the conversations are like about Salt Lake. Right. Yeah. Salt Lake bubble. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy Jones, Seth, JP, you guys are definitely on the, the, um, in contention. I just pop up tents in, in the Brighton parking lot. That's all I do. Yep. Oh, stop. <laughs> and put, put up fires. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Snowboard more than anybody, besides Shadow, yeah, probably. True. So Jer- watching Jeremy like get back on board this preseason has been amazing. Yeah, just see- seeing his comp, he's just like chucking at tricks. I'm just like, dude, like, homie wants it. Uh, and then who you got for employee of the year at the bomb hole? Wow, no pressure. Yeah, I mean, fuck, that's a tough one. I don't know if I can answer that. I wish I had some more Louis Vito media training where I could kind of maneuver myself out of this. Right. I mean, Phil the dog is obvious, uh, obvious scapegoat, but that's a full Louis Vito situation. He gets the best boy award. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just going to run through bomb hole. You know, there's a lot of people behind the scenes. We don't talk about it a lot. So you got 
uh, Silk D, he edits all of these podcasts, chops up all these Instagram assets. It takes a ton of work. He gets here early, sets up all the cameras, like so much, so much shit going on behind the scenes, going back and forth with the guest and editing the podcast. It's, he puts in work. Jules is the reason why this show happens. Like I don't answer, I get 7 million emails a day. Jules answers all of them. We have all these different ads and she coordinates the brands and the ad reads and, and does the Patreon and the customer service. And like, she's just a fucking superhuman. Drake does all the graphic design, all the logos, the mugs you see here, the smelling salt branding flyers, you know, he's a, and a whiz and any event showing up grinding, you know, and, and, uh, Holden Barth, our social media guy, any, any posts that you see, he writes the YouTube descriptions, which is a ton of work and adds all the chapters and everything you can scrub yeah, through. Actually, I'm doing Oh, you're one. doing the chapters. We have our answer. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and, and replying to all the messages and, and Holden absolutely kills it on so many fronts. And then uh, Danny Spadero ships all the merch, everything that you see that you get, he writes a note, you know, puts in extra stickers, grinds at all the events hand, handles also customer service stuff. Um, you know, organizes all the warehouse. He's, he's a grinder. So I don't think there's one person that makes, that makes the bomb hole work. It's, it's the, it's the culmination of everybody coming together for one thing that makes it what it is. And I'm the person that's on the microphone, but it's, it's a fucking group effort. So that's my answer. It's not Louis one. Vito would be proud. Yeah, yes. he would be proud. That was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Is Louis Vito then the Louis Vito? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Congrats, Louis. I'll get him a parking spot. We'll fucking paint his name on the curb. So, uh, all right. I think that's been a pretty good show. There's a couple more questions, but we could go on for hours. So I think we could kind of wrap with that. Um, and you guys have any other, uh, things you want to talk about? Thank you for the gift, Des. Yeah, of course. What else do we want to talk about? It's your birthday. It is my fucking birthday. Yes. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> birthday. Did you get my text? <laughs> yeah, I did. Nice. Thanks. You text on air? <laughs> yeah, while well, I was sitting next to her, yeah, he said happy just, birthday. Because I've just been sitting here trying Staring to get back to all phone. my texts. I'm like, shit, I'm my add, party's I was like, me. I'm going to add one more to this <laughs> madness. <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> All right. Well, Seth, thanks for coming down. Appreciate it. Awesome. It's the 30 year anniversary of Wilcom's like first snow film, The Garden, this year. So it's kind of cool. That's what the the merch is kind of about. Um, But yeah, it's sick. Are you guys selling that? Uh, No, this was Shop Kid promo. So only the Shop Kids. But we have a capsule that's going to be dropping 3 1, like the Garden t shirts. They'll be looking for that. Um, but it's cool. It's like, it's rad. Take it like for any kids that doesn't do not know anything about like the garden or the old snowboard videos. It's on YouTube. Just check it out. And it, 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 it's like a birth of like jibbing and power riding and not really the birth of it, but it just highlights like such early good stages and it's a sick video. So one of my favorites of all time. So kind of cool to just put some, put some light on that. Yeah, you'll realize why Jamie Lynn is an absolute legend yeah. when you watch that. Uh, amazing. So thanks for, check that out. Thanks for coming on. Tez, uh, thanks for coming on, chatting with us. Thanks for having me. I love it. It's been good times. Cocard, appreciate you. Love you. Love you too, Doug. Thank you, and Chris. Silk, thank you, Silk. Silk yeah, D. thank you, Silk. My pleasure. Appreciate you. It's you, my job. Not, yeah. not the MVP at the bomb hole. But. <laughs>
I do what I can. <laughs> unofficial. <laughs> we'll do people's unofficial. champ. People's champ. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to all of our sponsors that support the show. We couldn't do this without you. Thank you so much to all of our Patreon members. You guys kick ass. We're able to do this podcast and have fun, and it's because of you guys and everybody that listens and tunes in and subscribes and comments and all that stuff. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, we got another episode coming at you next Wednesday. So thanks for tuning in. Over and out from the bomb hole. Woo! Cut. Great.